Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Rise and grind, ladies and gentlemen. It's about to get bumpy. Time to attack and dominate. This is Morning Juice with Brandon Beam and Bobby Carpenter. Mark the Shark in for Brandon Beam again today, and I'm happy to report that Beamer will be back tomorrow. I'm joined, as usual, by Robert Carpenter III. Bodie Wells producing again today. Bodie is the uh, the most versatile employee we have in this building. Our, uh, uh, our most valuable producer, I guess you could say. One day he's producing the Buckeye Show. The next day he's producing Morning Juice. Then he's editing Ryan Day Sound and, and running a crew game on the weekend. He is a producer extraordinaire, and that's why he makes the big bucks around here. So, uh, Bodie, I do appreciate you. Bobby, I appreciate you, too. How was your Monday? That's good, man. And, you know, most versatile employee, maybe the most versatile fan, Notre Dame, Dallas, yes. Boston. I mean, Bodie, what's your NBA team? Like the Magic or something? Celtics. <laughs> Celtics. So you're Red Sox and Celtics, so at least you align together with that city? Is that That's correct, correct yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, mm-hmm. just making sure. Are you at least a Jackets fan? Can you put on your jacket? Sure. Yep. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Doesn't sound like you're much. You're into the hockey very and, much, and also a Peacock subscriber for a day. Former, former yes. Peacock subscriber. Um, it was a good Monday, Shark. You know, I've got uh, things are finally kind of settling in a little bit for our uh, practices and game times and everything for the kids. You know, school started. They've started like their game season for football. So yesterday, I got to coach my. You know, we had little little flag football like mm-hmm. kindergarten, and then we had first and second. So that was what I spent. Uh, Monday night doing it was great. Got back, you know, we got the kids, you know, some dinner ready for bed. You know, I'm like, hey, if you guys, you know, get our reading done, we we do uh, we do uh, calisthenics before bed too, shark, and we used to do push ups, nice. sit ups. We've we've instituted pull ups since then, since I you know, got wow. a squat rack ever upstairs. Yeah, I mean, why not? And we're trying to make we're trying to make these guys, you know, feel and look great. So they always complain about it, and then when they can win their. Uh, you know, they win the push-ups and sit-ups in their class. They feel a lot different about everything. So, hey, Bob, you know, they're excited. Uh, when yeah. it comes to flag football, I know you're on the defensive side, but the offensive side, would the playbook have mm, seven plays? Oh, yeah. not Well, you know, the thing is, for the little kids, the seventh graders, I mean, yeah, there's not very much there at all. Like, they, we keep it very, very minimal uh, for them. For the... Older kids, you know, we probably have, yeah, I'd say maybe 10, 12. We have a lot of second graders, and like half of them played on our team before. And my guy, Jeff Baggins, who I coached with, you know, he's in Mr. Football, so he's yeah. an offensive wizard over there. And we've got some couple pretty talented kids. So we've got like the jet sweep pass or jet sweep reverse. We've got a little cross in there, a little X play. You know, I'd say it's probably, yeah, 8 to 10 at, at, the, at the top end of it. So not, not a whole lot. That's nice, um, and and of course, when you were that age, you weren't even playing football, right? No. I played soccer, so I got my. They, they all play soccer too, so that's all good. You know, they're going to play soccer, and that's uh, 
that's what we're going to end up being about. So it's it's all good. Um, it's exciting. They've got that taken care of. It's uh, it's a fun deal. Kids enjoy it. And yeah, so like last night we did a little bit of that. And we came back and we watched some Monday Night Football. Man, yeah. it was great. I was sitting there and it was awesome. Shark, you'll love this because my second grader, he's like, "When does the game start?" And I'm like, "Well, there's a it's a pretty large build up to it as we started like tuning in around seven o'clock." <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, "ESPN's coverage starts. I feel like at five. I mean, it's like a bowl game, <laughs> you know, like an national championship game." And so they start all that stuff, and we're watching, and it was great to get to see the special on Darren Waller. You know, in his life and everything that, you know, he's been through. And it was awesome. Great chance to kind of talk about it. And they wanted to try to stay up and watch the whole game. I'm like, dude, oh. it's like, it's like 8.50. Like we're hitting second quarter. Like, all right, it's time to go to bed. And, uh, it was good. It was really fun. We enjoyed it and went upstairs. I had to shut it off. Started the third. I didn't think the Raiders had a chance, man. No. They came out, went three and out. And I'm like, all right, man, you're down. It's not looking good. You know, the offense appears to be sputtering a little bit. And uh, if you can't get points here, it, the Ravens' defense is pretty good. So I shut that thing off, man. And uh, lo and behold, I wake up this morning, start watching the highlight package, and I'm like, wow, man, I missed a heck of a game. But there's <laughs> not a chance in heck that I could have stayed up and been able to see all that and still been moderately functional this morning. Right. I I had the best Monday. Um, Indians had the night off, so I didn't suffer the burden of having to watch them last night. Actually, it's not a burden. I shouldn't say that. I love watching them and, and the season. Labor ends. of love, Shark. It is. Uh, you know, the season's going to end in a couple of weeks, and then I'm going to suffer from withdrawal for the following six months. But anyway. Baseball withdrawal? That's the thing? No, no. Indians withdrawal. Okay. Just Indians withdrawal. I'll still be able to watch, you know, the playoffs and World Series. But, it when you know, it's different than, than football where you've got this week-long buildup and then, you know, if you lose, then you got to, gosh, you got seven long days before you play again. In baseball, you know, the Indians will lose today and I'll feel down in the dumps, but I'll be okay because they play again tomorrow. You know, it's one of those things where you play every day and then when all of a sudden they just shut down at the end of September, then then you have withdrawal. But uh, uh, I, I had a nice nap yesterday, went to the pool for about three hours. It was gosh, hot love, yesterday. Did you, take, did you ever take a nap at the pool, Shark? No, I don't, Bob, because I'm afraid I'm going to snore, and I don't want to be uh, snoring in front of other people. Who cares, know? man? Just go know, there. But... Get a little bit of an incline. You know, <laughs> kick the chase up a little bit. That's one of my favorite things, Mike. I can like be outside, get a little sun, and also hit a nap all at the same time. Like I'm checking a lot of boxes right mm-hmm. there, yeah. really multitasking. Absolutely. Took a little uh, four-and-a-half-mile walk with my bride uh, before dinner last night, and then, uh, yeah, I... I sat down for the first half of Monday Night Football. going to tell you about it next. Bob, you already know about it, but uh, the listeners, because uh, if they're listening right now at 6.07, they didn't stay up for the end of that game. So I don't know. Maybe they're still up from the end well, of that, that game. Well, that could be, but what a what a game it was. Anyway, it, my my Tuesday won't be as relaxing as my Monday because the Indians have a doubleheader today mm. and tonight, so um, I'll be Double busy pleasure. doing that. All right, it is, uh, let me see here. i gotta, <laughs> I got to look at my computer. It is Tuesday. September 14th, 2021. Time to get smarter. Morning Juice presents Today in History. Here's your professor, Bobby Carpenter. Sponsored by Monogram Homes. Start your true custom home journey today with a builder you can trust. Monogram Homes. Online at monogramhomes.net. Oh, boy. Oh, Mm. boy. A Tuesday in the books. Or Tuesday to begin, a Monday in the books, and it is September 14th, the 257th day of the year, Shark, as we just continue to wow. plow ahead 
we hit 300, man, it's like you're, you're seeing the home stretch. 300 is probably October 28th or so, October 27th, and we'll just be cruising right along. But uh, this date, 1901, some rough news for the United States. President William McKinley uh, dies after being mortally wounded, uh, replaced then by his vice president, uh, the Rough Rider himself, Shark, Mr. Teddy Roosevelt. So a sad day uh, for the United States of America. I believe William McKinley was the second president to pass away in office, the first being... Um, is it Harding? Well, William Henry Harrison. That William Henry Harrison, who died of yeah. pneumonia, shark, has yeah. refused to wear a coat during his right, inauguration. Right. So, but then you had, obviously, Lincoln died in office. Oh, yeah. that's and, You know what? That's a great point. And then Garfield died in office. He was assassinated. So, then you're right. So he was the fourth. Gosh, yeah. we've had a lot of presidents die in office. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Uh, and and then done, so. uh, uh, Franklin Roosevelt died in office. During well, yeah, FDR term, yeah. died. He had polio. He had a, a litany of. He had more problems than Carter's got liver pill shark. Right. So, you know, the yeah. interesting thing, if you ever saw uh, Ken Burns's The Roosevelts, Teddy Roosevelt was the governor of New York, and he did not want to be the vice president. Vice president was uh, where careers ended. They they had no uh, no job basically it was a figurehead and yeah you took over if your boss died but uh teddy was a a very uh he, he ruled with an iron fist in new york and they wanted him out of there and so they nominated he didn't have a choice they nominated nated him for vice president and uh he won and so he was up in the mountains in the adirondacks when mckinley was shot and uh, th- somebody had to go up there. You know, there wasn't cell phone service back in those days, Bob. And, cell phone is passenger yeah. pigeon, sure. Uh, yeah, so they had to climb up in the mountains to locate him. And then, thankfully, McKinley lived for like nine days after after the assassination attempt. And then, uh, by that time, uh, Teddy was <laughs> was down on on level ground. But uh, it, a, a kind of a funny story. I mean, he and he and McKinley barely had a relationship. Oh, yeah. Well, the the path to the White House early on, Shark, was through the Secretary of State. We'll get to that. I love that you said that the vice presidentship is where careers went to die, because I have some news on that later. Okay. Uh, some news for you as well, Shark. This date, 1917, the Russian Empire is formally replaced by the Russian Republic, which lasted for a couple years before the full Soviet movement came in and pushed that out of the way. So I know that you probably got this date circled in your calendar for that reason. 1960. The Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries is founded, better known as OPEC, so celebrating their 61st birthday uh, this year. Been a little bumpy ride for everybody as of late uh, with regard to OPEC. 1984, uh, Joe Kittinger is the first person shark to fly a hot air balloon across the Atlantic. Now, I'm not even sure. Yeah, dude, there's a lot of things I'd be willing to do in my life. Trying to figure out that and navigate it. I mean, if you're in the middle of the Atlantic and a storm comes and you're in a hot air balloon, what the heck are you supposed to do? How do you really even govern that thing? Like, I mean, I understand that they can do a little bit of navigating, but it's not like it's a plane or a boat. So you're just drifting across the Atlantic. So good for Joe figuring well, and, that out. And think about the fact that you are the only thing out there. So if lightning strikes, it's going to hit you and you're going to blow up. Also, uh, Bob, that would be best case scenario because I would much rather die quickly than <laughs> yeah. slowly be eaten by sharks or starve right. or drown in the ocean. But also, Bob, I've never been in a hot air balloon. Is that uh, propane? Uh, it's helium. 
Oh, it's helium. Okay. And and so you would have I to believe, have... Well, check that. It, I don't... You know what's a great question. I believe it's helium. They fill it up, and then they use... The heat from there's like a flare off in it. Yeah, and it's the it's the it's the steam and smoke rising from the burn off. Okay, off the helium. I, but there's got to be some something that fuels it. So you would have to have multiple tanks, tanks yeah. on board to get across an ocean. Obviously, yep. that would be accurate. Probably a pretty big hot air balloon. Maybe shark. I'm envisioning like the one in the Wizard of Oz. That's kind of the hot air balloon that I'm thinking of. Even though that's probably not near big enough. But it's amazing that Joe was able, Kinger yeah. was able to do that. So. Kudos to him. 1994 Shark, the day the music died for you. Be glad the Tribe are playing twice because this date, 1994, they would not play again the rest of the season as Major League Baseball is canceled mm. due to the players' strike, robbing the Indians of a potential World Series opportunity during their run uh, back in the mid-'90s. And, oh, and then 2001, uh, Historic National Prayer is held at Washington National Cathedral post 9-11, largest ever vigil in D.C. So uh, still some 9-11 news coming in uh, 20 years later with that. Uh, some birthdays here. We've got uh, born in 1913, Ruby Sher. Who is that? Well, it's a nuclear physicist shark. I like clicking on some of these random people I see <laughs> through here. Passed away in uh, 2003, worked on the Manhattan Project. What is that, you ask, for the young folks out there? Well, <laughs> that was the development of the nuclear bomb during World War II yeah. with Oppenheimer and Einstein. Like, the smartest, this is why I always, I'm never, I never underestimate the ability of human, in, of human achievement because when you need to get something done and you're properly motivated, we generally find a way to do it much quicker than otherwise. And so finding a way to develop a nuclear bomb that, uh, no one had ever done before. They did it in a matter of, I believe, a year, uh, getting that done. So Ruby Share part of that. Uh, 1924, uh, Jerry Coleman, baseball player, four-time World Series champ with the Yankees in the 1949 Rookie of the Year. Played about 12 seasons for the, uh, the Bronx Bombers. Uh, 1940, celebrating his 81st birthday, Shark, NBA champ, NCAA champ, and now the current current assistant uh, with the Memphis Tigers basketball team at 81 years old, Mr. Larry Brown, mm. sir. So still getting it done. Like I know, Shark, you dream of retiring. Larry Brown dreams <laughs> of getting another coaching job. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I always tell people, you missed your sweet spot in life to retire. You just might as well work forever. forever. Larry Brown is going to work uh, forever. Happy 60th birthday to Wendy Thomas. Uh, that's right. Yes. Shark, that is the, the famed, old redhead. The old redhead, the <laughs> famed daughter of Dave Thomas, uh, to which the Columbus based franchise is named after. Uh, happy 56th birthday, Shark, to your guy, Dmitry Medvedev, who's that? He was the third president, president in Russia, served from 2008 to 2012, and then prime minister from 2012 to 2020, uh, with being Putin, your guy's right hand man. So good for him. Um, happy, happy forty uh, ninth birthday, David Bell. Uh, huh. What was that? Huh? For well, shark? manager of the Reds. I, I'm Ma- assuming you're talking about that, David yes. Bell, current manager of the Reds. Shark. So, uh, congratulations, happy forty ninth birthday to him. Hopefully, this forty ninth year will have him have him seeing his team make the playoffs. Happy forty eighth birthday to rapper Nas. Happy forty fifth birthday to one of my favorite little hip hop stars, Kevin Little. Uh, ch- ch- uh, born in 1983, passed away in 2011. 
uh, Miss Amy Winehouse, the former singer. Uh, Jimmy Butler of the Miami Heat turning 32. Tony Finau turning 32 is years old as well. And then the third-string quarterback for the Houston Texans, Mr. Deshaun Watson, turning 26. <laughs> Some passings today. You mentioned vice presidents. That's where careers got to go to die, yeah. or that's where you go to finish someone off. Uh, Mr. Aaron Burr, the third pre- vice president oh, of the United oh, States, yeah. passed away today after gunning down Alexander Hamilton uh, in a duel, which is the best way to, best way to go ever, Shark. That's how you solve m- disputes. I mentioned William McKinley. And then, Bodie, will you hit it for me? I'm assuming that you found this. Uh, passing away in 2009, just 57 years old, star of Ghost, oh. star of Dirty Dancing. Oh. And he sang this song. And he said, She's Roadhouse. Like the wind. And people dog his music career. I really enjoy this song. I wrote it down to make sure that we got this. Did you so, like Dirty Dancing? Why wouldn't you like Dirty okay, Dancing? Okay, just checking, Bob, because, you know, some people are too manly admit that they would like a chick flick. Listen, dude, nobody puts baby in a corner. That's like, right. That's, I mean, Dirty Dancing is a cl- I remember watching that for the first time in eighth grade with my girlfriend. The time I'm like, this is great. Like... And then I realized, I'm like, wait, that's Patrick Swayze. He was on Chippendales with Chris Farley. <laughs> oh, wait, he's he also is uh, the boun- the celebrity bouncer yeah. in Roadhouse. I'm like, there's really nothing that he can't do. Him and Demi Moore and Ghost together. Like, those are just a couple of the massive hits. And unfortunately, unfortunately lost him way too early, passing away in 2009. Uh, some holidays and observances. It's Eat a Hoagie Day, Gobstopper Day, Live Creative Day. National Coloring Day, hmm. National Cream Filled Donut Day, which oh, sounds great, nice. yeah. and uh, National Sober Day. So, Shark, maybe the time to put down the bottle and enjoy just a, a nice little sober day and enjoy some life. But those are the historical events, the birthdays, the pastings, the holidays and observances for this date, September 14th, the 257th day of the 2021st year. All right. We are just getting started. I guarantee you that Heather Pascoe loved that Patrick Swayze song. We're going to talk to her next. A most incredible Monday night football game. If you didn't stay up until the end, we are going to give you the play-by-play next. This is Morning Juice on the Fan. From the Atlas Butler Plumbing Services Traffic Center. This report is sponsored by Columbia Gas. We do have an accident on I-70 eastbound after Bryce Road. The left lane is blocked and traffic is stop and go. Also, U.S. 33 westbound before Pickerington Road. We do have an accident in the left lane there as well. And traffic is stop and go from Winchester Road. So plan for those delays. Need to stop remove your current Columbia Gas service? Making a change has never been easier. New customers can start service too. Columbia Gas customers can now start, stop, or move their service online 24-7. No call to make. Schedule in advance. Visit ColumbiaGasOhio.com slash radio today. I'm Heather Pasco for 97.1. The Fan Traffic. Rising, grinding, and hitting the fairway by 9.30? Hang on. Did Bieber write this? Now back to Morning Juice on The Fan. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios, Mark the Shark, Bobby Carpenter on a Tuesday. And if you didn't stay up to the conclusion of Monday Night Football, wow, you you missed a great finish. We started week one of the NFL season with a fantastic Thursday night game between the Buccaneers and Cowboys. And we finished with a fantastic game between the Raiders and Ravens. And first of all, Bob, uh, got to mention Allegiant Stadium that $2 billion palace 
just a block off the strip, kind of the caddy corner to uh, Mandalay Bay. We saw it last year, but without any fans. And uh, last night, that place was rocking. It was 100 degrees outdoors, nice and air-conditioned inside. And, uh, wow, what a great place to play a game and to watch a game. Oh, it looked tremendous last night. And my son's like, why are they calling it the Death Star? I'm like, because it's a giant black like, <laughs> spaceship that's planted right at the edge of the Strip in New Orleans. By the way, Shark, did you see uh, – I guess you probably didn't watch the game. They've been showing highlights of it. Yeah. But I remember seeing this this shot, and I, tried, I wanted to get a picture of it, and I just changed channels, so I couldn't get back to it. But Al or Mark Davis – Sitting in the box, he's got the full white, you know, sport coat. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like a, a Canadian tuxedo. I think that's probably all denim, <laughs> maybe not the sport coat, but at least the jeans and inside the shirt. And then beside him, he has Charles Woodson drinking a glass of scotch, and they're like high fiving after a touchdown. And it is one of the most remarkable sights I've ever seen. <laughs> that's, that's so funny. He is just a very uh, awkward looking human being. Mark Davis. All right, uh, I'm going to try not to bore you too much with the details about the game, but there were some unbelievable moments in the second half. The game was amazing, It was. Bore us to death. I have to uh, tell you about it. Ravens jump out to a 14-0 lead. Vegas cuts the margin to uh, 14-10 at halftime. And then just uh, over nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, Josh Jacobs scores on a 15-yard touchdown run. Ties the game at 17. The Ravens come right back with a six-play, 75-yard drive. They go up 24-17 with six minutes left. The Raiders come right back on a nine-play, 75-yard drive. Tied at 24. Darren Waller, a 10-yard touchdown catch. What a game he had. So it's all tied with 344 remaining. Looks like we could have overtime, but then Lamar Jackson does his thing on the next drive. He had four runs, one of them for 28 yards, completed a pass, And so when uh, Justin Tucker drilled a 47-yard field goal with 37 seconds left, game's over. Baltimore wins 27-24. But no, the Raiders have no timeouts left. Derek Carr completes two passes for 38 yards, then spikes the ball to stop the clock with two seconds left. Daniel Carlson comes on and absolutely nails a 55-yard field goal. So we're going to overtime. Raiders get the kickoff and eventually get to the Baltimore 33-yard line. Third and four, Carr hits Brian Edwards on a 33-yard touchdown pass. The celebration begins. The players are on the field shaking hands. But wait, the the replay official, while the celebration was going on, he says that Edwards uh, Edwards was down before the ball broke the plane. They put the ball at the half-yard line. Carr runs up the middle, no gain. Second down, false start. Ball goes back to the five. Incomplete pass, third and goal, Carr throws an interception in the end zone. So the Ravens now have the ball with a chance to win. Only takes a field goal now to to win the game by either team. So they get a first down, but on third and seven at their own 33. Third and seven. Jackson trying to get out, can't do it. He's taken down and it's out. And the Raiders have recovered it. Yeah, Jackson sacked by Carl Nassib. He fumbles. Raiders recover at the 27. First down. They gain one yard to the 26. John Gruden has had enough. He sends out the field goal unit, but they're running around on the sidelines, not ready to go in, and Vegas is called for delay of game. Now it's back to the 31-yard so line. So amazing. 
you know, 31-yard line is a 48-49-yard field goal. Gruden sends his offense back on the field. Second and 14 at the 31-yard line. Going to throw. Drake picked up the pressure all alone is Zay Jones, and he will prance into the end zone for the touchdown and the victory in overtime for the Raiders, and this celebration is for real. Steve Levy, of course, with the call on ESPN. Raiders win 33-27 on a Derek Carter Zay Jones 31-yard touchdown pass. Just a, a, an amazing finish. There were 27 points scored in the final nine and a half minutes of the fourth quarter. Three touchdowns and two field goals, and then the touchdown in overtime, and John Gruden was exhausted afterwards. felt like I died and, and woke up and died again, and I was like a cat. I had multiple lives tonight. I don't like playing like that. It was um, tough, but um, we, we did a lot of really good things to win that football game tonight. Bob, we always say the best reality TV is sports because uh, you never know what's going to happen. And if you scripted last night's game for a movie, it would be too far-fetched to believe. But uh, in real life, it happened. That's the thing. Like I shut it off because the Raiders' offense was beginning to look stagnant. And the Ravens' defense was playing well. Like Lamar Jackson was getting out of the pocket. He was making some plays. You know, Max Crosby was getting after him. They'd get close sometimes, and he'd get away. It just didn't seem like there was going to be a turn in the tide where the Raiders would be able to seize control of that game. Lo and behold, Shark, they get to literally like the half-yard line with a first and goal. And this is why I tell people there's no sure things. Like you get a penalty, you go from first and, half, first and half a yard to first and five. And there's a big difference now between getting five yards and being able to sneak it into the end zone. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, they're throwing an interception that's deflected. And John Gruden at that point has probably thrown up all over himself thinking we just blew an unbelievable opportunity. You know, the rate, you end up getting the strip sack. Carl Nassib makes a great play. And Lamar Jackson, you strip it out. And then the second 14, like you talked about, they're bringing max pressure. This is what the Ravens do. They overwhelm you. They have really good defensive backs. And so they just overwhelm you with their pressure thinking, hey, you won't be able to find the guy that gets beat before we get to you. We have too good of pass rushers and too good of a group of DBs who can play press man. And Derek Carr, to his credit, he said they worked on this in practice. Gruden had said, you catch it, you're going to find Zay Jones. He works his butt off for you. Derek Carr was very complimentary in post game, but he just retreats. And that's what we see these guys do now. No one had ever told quarterbacks to do this. Pat Mahomes kind of, Mahomes kind of got it started. Then you see Kyler Murray doing it. And these guys have arms now that are so strong they can just retreat and lose 15 yards and you can't get to them in time. And it buys them time to find the wide, the wide open wide receiver. Derek Carr flips that thing out there and Zay Jones just prances on into the end zone. Huge early win for yeah. the Raiders. And I thought, I thought the Raiders would cover this. You but were I thought right. the Raven, yeah. But I thought the Ravens would win. And now there are two teams who are winless in the AFC East <laughs> and, or, so and AFC North. North. Yeah. And two teams that are 1-0, and I think people thought that would have been flipped after week one. Derek Carr, 435 yards passing. Darren Waller, 10 catches, 105 yards, touchdown. Lamar Jackson, 235 yards passing, one touchdown. Also ran 12 times for 86 yards. Also lost two very costly fumbles, and the Raiders came away with a win on opening night. Here's Gruden. They love football. They play for each other. And uh, I think the fans witnessed that tonight. We got a lot of young guys that really stepped up. Um, 
But I'm really proud of the character they showed. We were down 14 nothing to the Ravens. And it didn't look pretty. It didn't look good. But when you can come back and find a way to win against a team like that, that's saying something. That's an impressive impressive victory and like they say here just win baby yeah just win baby and you know by the time december rolls around we won't remember that game heck we probably won't remember it uh, next month but a great win for vegas and that had to be a long flight back to baltimore this morning for the ravens mm. the jacksonville jaguars coming off a most disappointing week one loss at houston coming up we're going to get the thoughts of jags strength and conditioning coach Anthony Schlegel. You're listening to Morning Juice on The Fan. From the Atlas Butler Plumbing Services Traffic Center. Good morning. This check of traffic is sponsored by Columbia Gas. We do have an accident on I-70 eastbound after Bryce Road. Two lanes are blocked there, and that's why traffic is stop and go. Also on US-33 westbound before Pickerington Road, the left lane is blocked there, and that's causing stop and go delays. Need to stop or move your current Columbia Gas service? Make a change. It has never been easier. New customers can start service too. Columbia Gas customers can now start, stop, or move their service online 24-7. No call to make. Schedule in advance. Visit ColumbiaGasOhio.com slash radio today. I'm Heather Pasco for 97.1, the fan traffic. Pour some donuts in a bowl and get on with it. This is Morning Juice. Shark and Carp on a Tuesday. He is the most interesting man in America, Anthony Frederick Schlegel, former co-host of Morning Juice, still our favorite guest on Morning Juice. And Schleg joins us bright and early from Jacksonville on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Uh, I know you were busy on Saturday, probably traveling to Houston. Did you get to uh, see any of the Buckeyes game? I did. I did. I was. I was watching it. Um, first off, hey man, good morning, Columbus and Bob and Shark. Good to be on with you guys. Yeah, I watched the game, and it hurt. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. What, what do you got for me? What do you, what do you want to know? <laughs> that, I just wanted to know if you saw any of it. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. You know, there is some. You know, just like any game, right? There are some really good things, and then there were some things they got to get corrected. And you know, the good thing, the good thing about Ohio State is, I think that. The coaching staff are realists. Any, anywhere where you got really good coaching, they know what needs to be addressed and they need to go fix it. You know, and then there's some some other really good things. I mean, you thought, um, I mean, look at the wide receiver group. There's a lot of things that you can say that they did well. I mean, um, did Haskell Garrett get one in that game? Because my days are my no, that was the game before that Gummer Shark. Like my days, <laughs> yeah, that was, was Minnesota. Yeah, it was Minnesota. I wish he had one in the Oregon game too. So, so let me yeah. ask you this. Let me ask you this because you know you're a you're a rugged, rough and tumble guy, but you know you've come. You're a pretty quality human being, nice dude. You know, off the field, someone who you want to let your kids go coach and play for. <laughs> but then there's also you know as you do the you know the hunting and everything, and like this Ohio State team, man, they they've recruited grade A human beings, but. Part of that is like, and I was having this conversation with Tyvis yesterday on Letterman Row, where, and we even talked a little bit about it Thursday, where you got to have some dudes with some edge. A couple guys, not a lot, but you have to have a couple dudes with an edge. Someone who I said, you know, faced in an alley, and there's a sharp object, they're going to grab that. And if they got to shank another human being to survive, they're willing to do that. Like, I think Anthony Schlegel has that ability inside of him. 
I don't know if anybody on this team currently has that. How do you develop Schlegs that edge where it's a little bit, you're a little bit on the wild side of things, but everybody knows that you're the person that will ultimately draw a line in the sand? Man, Bob, that's a great question. Um, I think that it's part of, it's just innate nature in that person to have that. I mean, you know, and there, there's so many different things that you call them, right? I mean, that guy's a dog, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, that guy has it. That guy, that hat guy has a chip on his shoulder. That's one thing I think Mick always said was, you know, um, you never improve, or unless you have something to prove, you'll never improve, right? Something to that effect. And it was just always about having this chip that I'd never arrived. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that's one way of getting it, right? It's it's sometimes when you have, and it, and it can happen to anybody in any walk of life. I've arrived. I've become become complacent. But if there's always something to prove, if there's always something to go after and seek, like you're never going to stop. And that chip and that that hunger to perform and execute is always there. Now you're talking about something a little bit different. You're just talking about somebody that's willing to to you know throw down at a drop of the hat, draw a line in the sand. I'm gonna come attack that guy. Those, those things can be developed, but you have to put them in the type of situations. And right now in the season, the only time you get live bullets like that to put them in that situation to draw that out from a guy is during the game. So, right? so you want to see that maturity. That that's part of competitive excellence. What's up? What about Bloody Tuesdays? What are, how, what are we feeling about that? Today is a Tuesday. Too. I love Bloody Tuesdays, man. Okay. I mean, we're, we're, I mean, where we got our toughness on defense when we played Bob is we, we had them too, man, inside drill. And it was just always the attitude of we're going to absolutely blow up our offense. And that was just it. It was across the board. And then you throw a Troy in the mix, and he starts talking trash. Right? That's what you want, the competitive excellence. And you, you, can, you can get that. But then – you know, nowadays, and I just keep watching, um, like, daggum Baltimore, guys are going down left and right. Mm. There's always that fine line, too, right, of a bloody Tuesday or whatever. How how hard can we truly go while keeping our guys safe while still trying to pull and extract that kind of toughness, that ruggedness out of them during a season? Like, that's the thing that everybody doesn't really understand. It's it's, there's a risk-reward to everything and how you do that. That's why all head coaches, that's why they get paid the way they get paid. I mean, there is a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot riding on every decision they make in practice and in games. Anthony Schlegel on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Schlegs, uh, we know about Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback. Tell us about Trevor Lawrence, the person. Oh, he's a fantastic person. I mean, he was voted captain by his peers. Uh, he takes care of his body, he trains his face off, uh, and just comes in, you know, he comes in with a great attitude. You know, we talk, I talk about toughness. Mick has toughness in his room. The, the program is founded upon that, but what, what is that? It's coming in every day with a great attitude because you can control that, you know, and that's just one thing that I love, uh, about him as a person. He just comes in and has a great attitude, ready to get to work, ready to lead the team. So it's fun. you know that's that's the beauty of what we do as coaches and educators is we get to wake up and come to work and be around a bunch of guys that have a high GSF and I see them and I I see what they go through and they come in and they're like you know what it's time to get to work today I'm like let's freaking go so that juices me up gives me an attitude of gratitude that I have an opportunity to work with them same thing goes at Ohio State 
after Oregon. You come in, you get right back to work. You love what you do, where you do it, and who you do it with. I wonder who said that, Bob. That's that's exactly. No, it's it's very true. Shags, it's been a number of years since you've been on, you know, a sideline in general, and even a longer time since you've been on an NFL sideline. What was that uh, first official game like on Sunday for you? Uh, it was. I mean, one is just the the, the pregame. The activation, the in the locker room, getting guys ready because you know because you've been there. It's been a long time, but you know what guys want. You know, you know how to read a room. I think that's another thing. You know how to read a room of who needs what and who needs to dap up. You know what I'm saying? How do you bring the juice? Um, but then on the sideline, it, it's it's back to normal. You know, encouraging guys, uh, talking to the practice squad, our gladiator group to encourage their teammates. And they're getting juiced about it. And you're watching guys make plays. And it was, you know, it wasn't necessarily the outcome that we wanted. But, for, you know, for me, it was it was great being back on the sideline. Can't wait to do it again next week versus Denver. Yeah, you got the you got the Broncos at home after the Saints tore up your field this weekend. Um, <laughs> I, I, I better not ask because I know you'll talk a long time, Schleg. So let me end it there. Always great talking to you. Uh, good luck on Sunday, and we'll talk next Tuesday. Absolutely. Go Jags. Go Bucks. That is Anthony Schlegel on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Which team is the most overrated in college football? We'll tell you next in Quick Hitters. This is Morning Juice on the Fan. From the Atlas Butler Plumbing Services Traffic Center. This check of traffic is sponsored by the Home Loan Experts. We do still have traffic stop and go on US 33 westbound due to a crash just before Pickerington Road. Your left lane is blocked and I'm seeing delays back from Winchester Road. Also on I-70 eastbound after Bryce Road, there's an accident blocking two lanes and that has traffic stop and go. Ryan Kelly with the HomeLoanExpert.com. Ohio is the Hall of Fame state and now you have a Hall of Fame mortgage lender. How much can you save? Let's find out. The HomeLoanExpert.com. The Home Loan Expert LLC, NMLS number 1326241. I'm Heather Pasco for 97.1, The Fan Traffic. Attack and dominate your alarm clock. This is Morning Juice. And Morning Juice is sponsored by Affinity Whole Health, the leader in testosterone and hormone replacement therapy. FeelGreatColumbus.com. All right, time for some quick hitters. Morning Juice presents Quick Hitters. Sponsored by Mobile Center, part of the 5GT Mobile Network. Bodie is producing today. What do you have for us? Start off with this one here. According to a Twitter poll using data from Bet Online, Notre Dame is considered the most overrated team in college football, which I wholeheartedly disagree with. They rank number one in 23 out of the 50 states, nearly half the country, <laughs> with uh, North Carolina coming in second with 12 states and Wisconsin in third with four states. Shark, Twitter, it's uh, kind of a tough crowd there. They put a top 10 team as they uh, overrated. I yeah, don't know if I agree with that. I, I'm going to say this about Notre Dame. They are not... Not what they were, you know, like when I was growing up, no question about that. But you know what? The college football playoffs have been around for seven years now, and the Irish have been in the playoffs twice. A couple of years before that, they played for the BCS National Championship. So they've been pretty darn relevant for the past decade. To me, Texas is the most overrated. Tom Herman, he came in and, you know, all of a sudden the Longhorns are ranked in the top 15 before he coached a game there. Same thing happened this year with uh, Sarkeesian coming in. Texas gets ranked in the top 15 again with 
really no reason based on the past few years. So I get it. Notre Dame uh, gets a lot of attention. Fans don't like that they have their own TV network and that they're not in a conference. But at least the Irish have uh, somewhat proven themselves on the field. So I'm not going to this from like a holistic perspective like over the course of the last decade. Because I think Notre Dame has been relevant. They've been right there. They haven't won one, but they've been in the conversation. I think it's safe to say they've been a top 10 team. You know, the last better part of Brian Kelly's career there, and he's been there for quite a while, and they've been very, very close. I'm looking at it from this year, the fact they're ranked in the top 10. They barely beat Toledo, and they barely beat a Florida State team that I don't think is very good. And so I think that's where more people are leaning on is the fact that they're still ranked in the top 10. They probably shouldn't have been ranked there to start the season, but what are you going to do? They finished pretty high last year, and they've beaten two teams that – you know, nobody should be really writing home about, and you beat them by three points. So we'll see. I mean, they're going to have Cincinnati here in a couple weeks. Bodie, how do you feel about Cincinnati coming to town? <laughs> Bobby, I, we're just trying to get through Purdue Saturday. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> On to Purdue. On to yes. Purdue. We're trying to be the best team we can today on Tuesday. We'll go from there. Uh, next one here is Sylvain LeFay. He joined Brad Larson's staff just three months ago to be an assistant coach with the Blue Jackets, but he has already been let go from his position due to declining to get the COVID vaccine. Cleveland Monsters associate coach Steve, Mar- uh, Steve McCarthy will fill that vacant role. Bobby, everyone obviously has their freedom of choice, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that freedom of choice can't come with some consequences as the NHL is showing here. Yeah, I mean, we've watched this happen in the uh, in the NFL where there's coaches that have lost their jobs based upon this. And you know what? I, people are free to do what they want with their own lives. I mean, businesses are free to do what they want, you know, within the, the realms of legality in the United States. And, uh, you know, I respect people that stand on principle. But if there's something that you truly believe in and you're willing, people always say, like, hey, I, this is something I really care about. Well, if you really care about things, you're willing to put, you know, your your uh, job and livelihood on the line. I mean, that's obviously what happened right there, and it's, it seems like it's a loss for the Jacket staff, even though he wasn't here very long. You know, there's a reason that he was selected, and uh, unfortunately won't be coaching any games with the Jackets this year. Yeah, that's where I was going, Bob. You, you really have to be a man of principle to give up a uh, six-figure salary to stick to your guns, and I think it's going to be happening a lot in the next few months, not necessarily in, in sports, but in a lot of jobs. Companies are now mandating vaccinations, and uh, there's not much of a choice left. You, you don't have to get vaccinated. That's still a choice, but workplaces are basically saying if you don't get vaccinated, you can't work for us, and that's what happened to LaFay. Arkansas has been fined $100,000 due to fans storming the field on Saturday night after they destroyed number 15, Texas, 40-21, to 21, and it really wasn't even that close. <laughs> the uh, the win moved Arkansas up to number 20 in this week's eight people, and it's their first 2-0 start since 2016. Shark, considering the school's absolute disdain for Texas and the way, uh, the way they've played through two games this season, I imagine they'll have some boosters that'll have no problem cutting that check for 100 grand. Uh, yeah, I mean, have you ever been to an Ohio State game when the fans rush the field? They outnumber the the security officers like a thousand to one. So the the you know the cops are going to be uh, if you ever watch that the cops go to the goalposts. They they rush to the goalposts and they surround them, making sure the fans don't tear those down. But honestly, how are you going to stop them? And you know you can make announcements saying don't charge the field, but how can you enforce it? And and now uh, you know a hundred thousand dollar fine doesn't really amount to much more than a slap on the wrist, but it's it's kind of ridiculous. The SEC put the rule in place, but this fine isn't a deterrent because the fans aren't paying the fine, and uh, they probably don't care. Heck, there's probably going to be more of it happening now, just so the uh, fans can basically. Uh, 
say to the SEC or, you know, stick their middle finger up <laughs> against the conference. Yeah, it's, uh, it's highly entertaining. I love watching uh, you know, fans tour the field. I was down. Like they stormed in 2 when we won and went to the uh, Fiesta Bowl. And then yes. I was there in 98 when we beat Michigan before they ultimately dug the field down and had the renovations for the stadium that we see today. Um, and it was awesome. It's a great experience. So most people do it safely. In 98, they ripped down the goalposts. That's something they used to be big on. They don't like that happening anymore, so they grease them up. And really, they get about 30 you know, law enforcement officials, and they kind of form a little triangle there, a wedge at each one. And as long as you're not ripping those down, I mean, no one's causing any harm, doing any damage. Just try to be safe and try not to trample anyone. All right, up next, we're going to catch you up with a re-rack, including a devastating injury for the Buckeyes. You're listening to Morning Juice on The Fan. From the Atlas Butler Plumbing Services Traffic Center. Good morning. This check of traffic is sponsored by Discover. We do have an accident on US 33 westbound before Pickerington Road. Your left lane is blocked, and that's why traffic is stop and go. The earlier problem on I-70 eastbound at Bryce Road has cleared, so you're moving better in that area. Discover matches all of the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. I'm Heather Pasco for 97.1. The fan traffic. There's a fine line between intensity and insanity. We don't know which side this show is on. This, this is Morning Juice. Hour number two of Morning Juice. Mark the Shark and Bobby Carpenter. I'm in for Beamer today. He'll be rejoining us tomorrow. Coming up at 8.35 this morning, we are going to check in with Bo Bishop, get his uh, thoughts on the Cleveland Browns. Your Doppler 10 forecast, a mix of sun and clouds today, a chance of some showers and thunderstorms this evening, the high going back up to 88, and then we cool off a little bit tomorrow. Showers likely and a high of 79. Keeping you informed about what's trending this morning. It's time for a little re-rack on Morning Juice. Sponsored by Billiards Plus. The best selection of pool tables and the best service in Central Ohio. Bob, you were talking about uh, 2002 storming the field after the uh, win over Michigan. Clinched the uh, BCS National Championship appearance for the Buckeyes. And, uh, you know, they let the reporters down in the fourth quarter. And so I was, as that game was ending, I could see what was happening in South Stands, and I knew this was going to be, uh, you know, a full-on ambush. And <laughs> I, I walked down there. i got to be honest with you. I just walked straight for the uh, security guards so that I didn't get run over. But everybody remembers, you know, the Craig Krenzel picture as he's being escorted off the field on the shoulders of, Gosh, I don't know how many people were down there. It, it seemed like about 40,000. It was probably more like 20,000. Uh, how quickly did you get to the locker room that day? Uh, it took me a while. Did you want to soak that in a little bit, too, now? I mean, you know, we go down, we're going to sing, like, Carmen, Ohio. I, I don't know if we did or not. Boy, I, mean, I can't imagine you did that game. Maybe, I don't but... Know. Maybe we tried. Maybe we tried to get down there, and then there was no one in the South Stands to sing it, too. <laughs> I, but, I, you know, I got ping-ponged around for probably... Mm, I think I was there right as Tress began to close the door, but like the coaches wait forever and like they have recruits and you know, they've got the media and all this stuff. And so they're waiting. And I remember, you know, I got in there like right before Tress started to talk. I was like, Oh gosh, I'm late. And then I remember guys just walking in the whole time and they're like, we couldn't get out. You know, Craig was one of the last guys to get up in there. 
And I remember talking to my dad and brother after the game. They got maced. Like, they were spraying pepper oh spray Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there was pepper spray in the air. You could see yeah. the, the haze. And so, like, I've never been a fan of that. Like, I don't, like as long as there's nobody getting hurt. My brother, heck, I was 18, 19, so he was probably 11 years old. He's on my dad's shoulders. My dad's, like, trying to protect him, you know, so he just doesn't get destroyed. And it, it was a cool experience, though. Cool experience getting up there. The better experience, Shark, was later that night. Um, you know, obviously, it's it's a noon game, which I'm normally not a fan of. But for that game, I think it's warranted, just given the fact that the history, it's always been played then. Yeah. Played that game, so you had the rest of the night. You got some dinner, got to take a little nap, went out, man, and they had just kept that party rolling on campus. And I was dropping off one of my friends from high school, and we're driving down High Street. And I remember, like, man, like, there must, I, I knew there was, like, fires and stuff going on, and there's just, like, smoke and fog all across High Street. And I'm driving through it, thinking that it's smoke, and it was actually. I think gas or pepper, tear gas. I don't know what the heck it was. But I had to roll off. The, I had to pull the car off the side of the road. I'm like coughing. I can't see. I mean, it was atrocious. It was absolutely atrocious. I'm like, all right, Jess. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm going to take you over here and try to navigate your way around this because I'm not driving through this anymore. This is, uh, it was brutal. But it was a great night, man. Oh, that's, yeah. Like rushing the field, dude. If you, you don't need to rush the field for everything. But that's a huge win for Arkansas. They haven't played Texas in forever. And, I mean, that was a big-time win when they were an underdog. All right, if you missed Buckeye Roundtable last night, 6 to 8 every Monday during the football season, Ryan Day made an appearance, had some very bad news for us. We saw safety Josh Proctor carted off the field at the Horseshoe in the third quarter Saturday against Oregon, had an air cast on his right leg, and uh, we feared the worst. And last night, Day said it was it was a bad injury. Yeah, yeah, he's, um, you know, he's going to... Um you know, missed the rest of the year. You know, I don't know the exact you know term of what it was, but but there was a fracture there and a mm. uh, very very tough yeah very very tough injury for him. And you know, prayers are out for him and his family. He, he did have a surgery and you know he's resting you know safely now and everything. And so that all went well. But but a very very big loss for our team and and obviously a big loss for him. Yeah, and I would say other than the linebacker position, Bob, the the secondary was the worst place on this team for a season ending injury, especially losing. Somebody as talented as Josh Proctor. Obviously. Oh, Josh Proctor. He was a he was an eraser potentially in the middle of the field. Tall dude, rangy, great speed, knocking guys out. I mean, everybody saw he hits. He might have been the one dude out there, Shark, that may have had the shank ability that I'm talking about. Yeah. Where I mean, he'll pick up a sharp object in a fight, and if need be, use that to impale another human and not think twice about it. Those are the type of guys that I want to see out there. You don't need a lot of them, but you need a couple dudes with some edge. Josh Proctor had that edge, so he will be tough to replace, both from a mentality standpoint and a skill standpoint. And so without him, you know, that's where schematics come in, and it's like, okay, figure out the personnel you have. You may not be able to do what you wanted to do, given the fact that you don't have those people in place anymore. And so there may be some shifts coming in what they're asking, uh, you know, in the secondary and how they're going to play. Yeah, and you talk about scheme, also in the Buckeye Roundtable, when they were talking about the defense last night, Paul Keels and Jim Lachey uh, asked Day about making changes scheme-wise on defense. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's part of it. You know, you have to make sure that what you're doing, you can execute at a high level. Uh, it's one thing to to install something, but you know, you have to work through all the issues that come with it um, because there's there's a lot of different things that uh, you can be presented with uh, when you install something. So. Like you said, you know, you have to act and, and, you know, get some things changed, but we can't overreact. 
Bob, I'm curious. You install a system or a, a scheme, let's say, during camp, and then obviously adjust your game plan on a week-to-week basis based on the opponent. But I can't imagine two games into the season that you just scrap your system and uh, you know make huge changes in the span of a week. Okay, so I, I, here's the common misconception about this: is you know part of it, people are like, there's a lot, a lot of layers to this. Number one, you know they've had a, they had a lot of injuries in the back seven during the spring, whether it's linebackers, corners, you know safeties, trying to figure out you know who can play, and so they were playing without a full deck, and then that some of that carried over into training camp, and so you never really get to see your full complement of players. So in in essence, now they've been trying to roll a lot of guys to see who fits and to see who works best and you know, there's right combinations and what everybody can do. And so you think you have an idea about it and you have a system that you kind of build and you draft or you recruit players and kind of fit that and you want to get guys who are obviously as versatile as possible but meet a lot of the criteria you have. And so like the idea that you're just going to scrap the system, that's not going to happen. Like That's not how it works. It's not like you're, you're going and trading in a car. Like, I got to... I a Honda Civic, and now I'm going and trading it in for like a Chevy Silverado or a Ford F-150. Like you're not doing, it's not like a dramatic change like that. What you're going to do is you're going to tailor it based upon what you, what you have with your players. Like they put in a lot of different stuff. You know, they run some single high. They run a lot of single high man. They run some single high zone. Like okay, they've worked on some two deep stuff here and there a little bit. But maybe now it's time. Like okay, given the players that we have and what has happened and transpired. Like, Maybe we start leaning a little bit more on that two deep. Doesn't mean we go away completely from what we were doing before, but it's it's the blend, it's the mixture. Like you may want to go out shark and cook hamburgers, but you only have like one pound of hamburger and you got like five pounds of chicken. Well, you know what it looks like? It looks like you're going to be growing a lot of chicken, and people are going to have to figure out that hey, what are we going to do with it? How are we going to what do we season it with? You know, what are we going to go, what are the sides going to be like? You you have to, you can only cook with what you have. And it goes back to like the Bill Parcells' famous line, like if you're going to ask me to cook the dinner, you better let me shop for the groceries. Well, in college, like the groceries are cooked. Like, they're, they're already there. Like you have no ability outside of recruiting and developing to, to get different players. So the guys you have now, figure out what they're good at. Find your best 13, 14 guys. You know, you're going to rotate and roll. And maybe you have to bring some more pressure. Maybe you have to, you know, play a little less man or play man behind pressure, and then you know, play some more zone outside of that, and and do some different things, and that's fine. And you have a couple of weeks to be able to figure it out. And here, here's the ultimate, you know, irony with all of this is, you know, because the the standard at Ohio State, the standards are the standards. Like I don't care who's wearing that jersey and what the number is. You know, James and I, James has said it. You know, I've talked about it. like the jersey numbers are rented. You get them for three to five years. Then someone else is sliding in there, all right? And so, you know, as you move through, like, they're going to be spinning the next group of guys in here. They'll find other guys uh, to replace you. And But the standard is the standard for your position group and, you know, your unit, whether it's defense, offense, whatever it might be. And the standard for Ohio State, it's winning the Big Ten college football playoff. Now, you lose a game like that, like the college football playoff, it's like people are talking, you, know, you talk about that, can we make it, can we not? Hey, that's like having a picture of a Lamborghini on your wall and you just lost your job and you're figuring out how you can buy that. Okay, let's first figure out what, of what job we can get and how we can start saving again. And so that's kind of where we are. It doesn't mean that the dream is gone, but there's a lot of incremental work that needs to get 
done before you can ultimately get back to that point. And so that's kind of where they are, but this isn't going to be some dramatic scheme, overhaul, dump everything. Now we're going to a three down front. We're going to do this and that and completely change what we are. You can't do that at this point. Too far invested. It's the blend. It's the mix. What you ask your players to do, sometimes you have to be a little bit more complicated. Other times you have to simplify some of it. And whether that's reads and whether that's scheme, maybe you play, maybe you play less players. I mean, this isn't everybody gets a trophy now. If you're not producing at this point after a couple games, you know, your reps begin to get cut back. If you're producing more, then you play more. And that's just kind of how it works. This isn't a, a feel-good situation where everybody just gets opportunities because, you know what, you came here and you were a highly recruited, recruited guy. You've got to earn that. And we've got to get some guys out there. They're great dudes, Shark, all of them. Really yeah. high-quality individuals. But we've got to get some guys that, like Schleich said, have that edge. You know, that are playing, like, if you don't have anything to prove, you're never going to improve. And so that's what they've got. I love their teammates, play hard, and represent. They do play hard, but it's it's a little bit more than that when things go bad. It's drawing a line and saying, it ain't happening now. We're going and stopping this thing. That was really good, Bob. You Sorry. used, like, three analogies there, uh, food and cars and all that. that that was wonderful. Uh, on offense, Ryan Day calling, sorry. calling into Buckeye Roundtable last night admitted the Buckeyes need to be more balanced in terms of their running and passing attack. Yeah, I mean, I thought, you know, we, we didn't find great balance on offense on Saturday, but um, what we did find was really good rhythm in the passing game at times. And, you know, those receivers made some really big-time plays downfield. And, and I thought, you know, CJ, you know, handled that environment overall pretty well. And so I think giving – given the time he had in the pocket by our offensive line did a really good job at protection and then obviously the receivers downfield making plays so that was a bright spot but but that's not what we're looking for we really look for the balance and and when you run the football you can control the football game and and they did that and we didn't i can remember geez 35 years ago earl bruce saying you have 60 offensive plays in a football game at ohio state you want 40 runs and 20 passes and that was considered a balanced attack back then and now now you're going to get 70 to 80 snaps sometimes more and you know most college teams are throwing the ball all over the place i would think a a balanced attack at ohio state would be something like 250 yards passing, 200 yards rushing. Does that sound about right? Well, so that was Tress's goals back then, so I think it's probably changed even a little bit more. But to me, balanced attack means it means being able to run it when you need to run it. Like, And sometimes, not, not run it because you have to, but when you need to, you can go get or be, you can go get six yards a pop. And that's one thing that you know hasn't, wasn't really talked about that much. It, you know, it's the run game. Yeah, they averaged around five yards a carry, but it, it didn't feel that good. You know, it wasn't like you felt ultra confident. And Ryan said, talked about it. He never really felt like he had control of the game because he never felt like we could just line up and run it. That's why on third, fourth, and two, you're throwing the football. That's when you know you're struggling running the football. If on fourth and two, you're choosing and electing to pass as opposed to with an offensive line that's the size of Ohio State's not being able to go up and run the football. And part of that is... You know, they're great physical downhill running, but you have a quarterback that's not really a runner, yep. so he's not a threat, and you don't run any counter misdirection stuff. And so teams, as good and as physical as they are, you can match force with force if you know where it's going to go. Yeah, I mean, there had to be uh, a hundred times in uh, JT Barrett's four-year career here where uh, third and two, fourth and two, he picked up the first down, and they just don't have that 
that luxury right now. All right, just two weeks into the new college football season, one Power 5 coach has already lost his job. We'll discuss that next on Morning Juice here on The Fan. From the Atlas Butler Plumbing Services Traffic Center. Good morning. This report is sponsored by Domino's. We do still have stop-and-go traffic due to an accident on U.S. 33 westbound before Pinkerton Road. Your left lane is blocked there, and that's why you do have delays. Also, we do have some construction on East Broad, both directions. At Taylor Station Road, you're down to just one lane in each direction due to some water line repairs. Order carryout online and choose Domino's car side delivery with the two-minute guarantee. Domino's will head to your car less than two minutes after your check-in and your order is ready or your next pizza is free. Online orders only. For details and restrictions, visit dominoes2minuteguarantee.com. I'm Heather Pasco for 97.1, the fan traffic. Get up, then get fired up. This is good. Get your hip flexors going, inner thigh, everything. This is Morning Juice. Don't forget, you can join Matt Andrews and Tyvis Powell Friday night under the lights for the fans' high school football game of the week. Coverage of this week's matchup, Olin Tangi at Reynoldsburg, starts Friday night at 6.30 here on The Fan. Catch highlights and scores from high school football games around Central Ohio on 1st and 10, Friday nights at 11.15 on 10 TV. It is a Tuesday. It is a, it's an Allison Chains Roosters Tuesday, Bob. Absolutely it is. It's Appetizer Tuesday. The featured appetizer is fried mushroom shark, which is absolutely tremendous. They're two bucks all day, but that's not what I'm even going to really focus on this morning. It's the fact that Roosters is giving away 12 trips for two to this year's Buckeye Bowl game. They've already done it twice. They're doing it for every game this season, so there'll be 12 lucky Roosters guests will get the opportunity to travel to the bowl game this year. Each trip comes with two tickets to the big game, airfare, a deluxe hotel, and a gift bag. One bowl prize winner will be chosen each week for 12 weeks, so we're already two down. Roosters has given away other cool prizes, too. Just go to roosterswings.com to register, or Shark, you can go to the 97.1 The Fan website and click the contest tab link to register so roosters the official wing sponsor of ohio state athletics yeah let's go to roosters and (laughs) yes let's go to the bowl game yes we're guaranteed a bowl game well (laughs) we need five more wins so i guess in theory there's still an opportunity to miss that that would be highly disappointing if that's the case bob i can remember when uh, coop was coaching here and Time Warner Cable ran one of those uh, bowl trip uh, contests, and uh, we didn't go to a bowl game that year, so that was it was kind of tough. I don't know who won the contest, but they didn't go to a – well, if they went to a bowl game, it wasn't an Ohio State bowl game. So let me ask you this. What year was that? Was that the last year? Was that 2000? No, because the last year they lost um, to oh, South, South Carolina. Carolina. It would have been 99. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Something like that. That was um, was There that were the, a couple years where uh, the Buckeyes didn't go to bowl games when Coop was here. Early uh, on. And then one year early on. on. Yeah. I know he was here 13 years, and they went 
three and eight in bowl games. Yeah, that, it was the Michigan game and the bowl game. Uh, he really struggled. Anyway, we will play. That's what he said. And, uh, you know, about an hour from now. And so you'll be listening, little buddy, for the next 60 minutes. And we're going to say something that will have you repeat back to us. And you can win a $50 Roosters gift card. Again, that's coming up in less than an hour. All right. Here is the Clay Helton resume. At Southern Cal, hired in 2015, so this was his sixth season with the Trojans. Overall record, 46-24, and 24, won about two out of every three games in the Pac-12. His record was 36-13, and 13, so he won about three of four. Won three division titles, won conference championship, went to a Cotton Bowl, went to a Rose Bowl, but after losing to Stanford 42-28 on Saturday, Halton was fired. Uh, don't worry about him, he's going to be okay. $12 million buyout. But uh, here's what I have a problem with. I, I shouldn't say I have a problem with. I don't really care. But if you retained him after last season, Bob, and if you thought he was still the guy to run your program and you go through fall camp and all that, what would, you know, one loss, why would that completely you watch, change you, your Yeah, I did. But I'm you just, actually were up? I guess that's probably kind no, of the window when you're awake. Yeah, but I just, I, I, I get it. I understand this is Southern Cal, and you can't be losing to a, a really bad Stanford team. Um, but week two of the season, I, I almost feel like this is an indictment of the athletic director as much as Clay Helton. Well, you, you wanted to give the guy a chance. You thought you had everything aligned and pushed forward, and I think they thought they could win potentially the, the Pac-12 this year. You know, Washington's down. Utah's not great. Oregon, obviously, is better than I think people believed. But coming into the season, no one knew that. And so I think USC thought, hey, this could be our our chance that we could win this conference. We win the conference. You know what? Maybe we beat Notre Dame. It's a chance potentially, chance potentially to make the college football playoff for the first time. And also, I think a lot of schools showed some discretion. And didn't want to fire anybody coming off of the COVID year. Yeah. Because you 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 had a hard time judging people based upon that. But after I watched that game on Saturday night, and I'm not going to say they're bad, but they're not a good Stanford team, just abused you where you're ranked. They're unranked. We know you have better players and you're more talented. And you can't get it done. And not just get it done, but you get embarrassed. You got embarrassed, man. It was at home, too. It's at home. Yeah. Well, like I, that's, I think that's it. Sometimes, like, not, it's not like they lost a close game or some fluky or something happened. I mean, they got beat up at home by a, an average to bad Stanford team. Yeah. And I don't, I, I think there were certainly seasons that you could have gotten rid of, uh, you know, moved on from Clay Helton. Last year probably wasn't the one you talked about COVID, but they also went 5 and 0 in conference last year. So I, the conference is bad. Though, I, it sure. is a bad conference, but I just feel like uh, that probably wouldn't have been the the time to do it. It's just I. It's to me, you know, a month ago you're going through training camp and everything, and now all of a sudden, boom, you, you're basically you're not starting over because you're just elevating somebody from the staff. By the way, I, I looked at uh, fan sided <laughs> this morning. Five reasons. Why Urban Meyer is the only answer to fix USC football. Uh, you know, that thing you would have Wait, thought was written a year ago, but uh, no. You went to OnlyFans? <laughs> they have this on there? Fan-sided. Is that different? Yeah, that's a, you know, the fansided.com site. You ever hear oh, of it? Oh, how about OnlyFans? Only- Were you there this morning, Shark? No, I haven't. I didn't look at that. 
Okay. What right. did that I didn't say? know if you had your subscription there, you know, no, juiced I, up and ready to go. No. I uh I don't I'm not a subscriber or that or Peacock for that matter. Have you talked have you talked to uh you know our our PD Matt about potentially getting a getting a a <laughs> subscription for our station to OnlyFans? I I think that uh the company blocks those websites in the station. I'd have to do it at home. You'd be surprised. I don't think there's anything that's blocked at our station. No, they do monitor it because I've watched Rothman click on some stuff. <laughs> that I'm like, sure you want to have them know you're looking at that? Clicks on the links at the bottom, some, some absolute weirdness, like the cameraman just kept on rolling. But, I mean, I thought OnlyFans, I, mean, I thought that was a, like a sports website, Shark. Is that not the case? No. No, a different kind of fanatics, those fans. Uh, is Urban Meyer the answer to fix the football problems at USC, Bob? I don't know. I mean, it's amazing that on the heels of that happening, I saw this article also leaked out about how Urban's tough to work for and he's overreacting. And, you know, people were saying he's unrealistic with, you know, what the demands of his staff and, you know, wins and losses and all this stuff. I, I would say that there's probably a correlation that people are looking at between there and trying to, like, gin some of that story up. I don't think he takes this job. Um, I think he's happy where he is. I think he wants to try to make it work in the NFL. But uh, I think he could fix it. I don't think he wants to, though. That's the problem. You know, he might be the best guy to solve that problem. He might be the best guy to solve the problem at Texas. I don't think he wants to recruit against Ryan Day in Ohio State, which is part of the reason he went to the NFL in the first place. And I don't think he really probably wants to live in Southern California. Yeah, I I don't think Shelly... Wildfire, wildfires, homelessness, yeah. and high taxes. Shelley, Who wants to live there? Shelly's a Florida girl, uh, more than a Southern California girl. By the way, uh, Pete Carroll, of course, uh, was the coach at one time at USC, built a pretty good dynasty there in the uh, early 2000s. He was asked about it yesterday, if he would like to be going back to Southern <laughs> hey, Cal. We know you have a job right now, Pete, but we're yeah. going to ask you about another job. You have to ask the question, I guess. And he said, uh, they haven't called. No, I don't want that. I'm very happy. So Pete Carroll won't be taking that I mean, job. Shark, it's like me asking you when you're out to dinner with your wife about your yeah. upcoming date with somebody else. Right. Like, I mean, what, what is he supposed to say? You know what? I've had my eye on that job for a while. feel like Russ and I are kind of getting you know, drifting apart, and I'm really looking forward to get back to college. I mean, the guy's got a job. Right. You're asking him about another job while he's working there. And, you know, Bob, you look at that USC job since since Pete Carroll left. It's been bad. Um, it was bad before he got there. Here, here's the oh, yeah, and, and he wasn't their first choice back then either. He was like no. their third choice coming out of the uh, a couple of semi-failed jobs in the NFL as the head coach at New England. And, and Belichick was the one that replaced him at New England, and then, uh, and then he lost the Jets job as well. So, um, yeah, I, they, they were bad before he got there. They've been bad after he left with, you know, uh, Lane Kiffin and Ed Orgeron as an interim coach. They Gosh, had Sarkeesian. Yeah. Is uh, there a bigger misfit than Ed Orgeron <laughs> as the head coach at USC? They, they like couldn't his, understand his language in Southern Cal. A hundred percent. Like, it plays a little bit at LSU. Now, it's not playing very well right now. No. But at least he kind of fit that culture and people embodied it, embraced it. Like, Southern Cal, like you said, they can't even understand what he's saying out there. It's a version of English they've never even heard. So, yeah, here USC, like, I remember them being great because when I was in school, they were great. They were one of the best, if yeah. not the best 
program going in college football for about seven or eight years. And then it, they slowly fell apart, and you know they have a hard time recruiting out there. I mean, it's, just, it's crazy. But USC's campus, I mean, it's not great. It's a smaller school. I don't know. I don't think they have a ton of cash to be able to pay for some of the elite facilities and some of the things that kids expect now. And it's amazing with their talent base that they're not better. But it just goes to show if you have a if you don't have a good culture and you don't recruit well and there's not competitive excellence during practice and guys are always improving, that's what you get is USC right now. And like so, then the other guy linked to that job, you know, that people are talking about is potentially Luke Fickle. And I can't see him going out there either. I don't think he wants anything. I especially don't think his wife wants anything to do with that. Yeah, probably. You know, no, not probably. I'm pretty. I'm fairly certain that that's not something that's on his radar. Of living in Southern California, I mean, I would love to. I wish I had their game this week and joke with him about you know him being a celebrity coach and going out there and getting tan and working out on Muscle Beach and you know your kids just being like Cato Kalen and living in pool houses and whatnot. <laughs> I mean, that's not a lifestyle. I think that they're interested in no. at all. Nope. Ronnie Harrison was ejected from Sunday's Browns-Chiefs game. Coach Greg Lewis was not, and some Browns players don't think that's right. We'll tell you about it next on Morning Juice here on The Fan. From the Atlas Butler Plumbing Services Traffic Center. Good morning. This check of traffic is sponsored by the Home Loan Experts. We do still have stop-and-go delays because of an accident on U.S. 33 westbound before Pickerington Road. The left lane is blocked, and that's why we're seeing backups. There is a disabled vehicle on Bryce Road southbound at McCormick Boulevard. It's a vehicle with a flat tire, keeping things slow. And I'm seeing slowdowns on I-70 westbound between Miller-Kelton and the 71 East split. At the Home Loan Expert office, they're locking in loans in the twos, saving their clients hundreds, even thousands of dollars a month with a simple refinance. TheHomeLoanExpert.com, The Home Loan Experts, LLC, NMLS number 1326241. I'm Heather Pasco for 97.1, The Fan Traffic. There's no better way to start your morning. Well, there's one way, but Beamer isn't legally allowed to do that anymore. You're listening to Morning Juice. Shark Carp Bodie on a Tuesday edition of Morning Juice. You've probably all seen the play on uh, Sunday. Browns and Chiefs playing. Ronnie Harrison comes over, gets shoved by Greg Lewis, the assistant coach for the Chiefs. And, um, and he shoves them right back. Flags are thrown. Initially, the call went against the bench of the Chiefs, a 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, and then uh, they reviewed it, and they also gave Ronnie Harrison a 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalty and ejected him from the game, but Greg Lewis didn't get ejected, even though he threw the first shove, if you will, and so after the game, Miles Garrett thought that didn't seem right. How can a a, a coach initiate the contact and, and he wasn't uh, you know, not blaming Ronnie Harrison for getting involved and overreacting, but he thought that both of them should have been thrown out. And then J.C. Treader, who is the president of the Players Association and also the center for the Cleveland Browns, had this to say about it yesterday. Yeah, obviously, Ronnie, Ronnie can't retaliate. Uh, you, you can't be the second one in those, those incidents. You're always going to get called for that. Uh, but we can't have opposing coaches putting their hands on opposing players. Uh, we can't have that. We've seen rules be changed. Uh, I think a few years ago, we had an incident with the Bengals and Steelers, I believe, where now coaches aren't allowed on the field during injuries because something like that happened and it ramped everybody up. And we had a few nasty plays after that because of it. Um, and then, you know, the NFL's whole stance behind this change in the taunting rule 
was to avoid retaliation and avoid events that cause retaliation. Uh, so I, I would expect uh, that the, the coach gets held to the same standard, if not a higher standard than Ronnie, uh, being the first one in there and being a coach, putting his hands on an opposing player. I don't think there's any uh, any room for that in this league. Yeah, Bob. The NFL says they are investigating that. Wait, they, timeout. Yeah. Investigating? Like, there, yeah. there's a there's a video. <laughs> yeah, right. No investigation <laughs> needed. We don't have to go there and check security cameras and try to find out what's going on and talk to witnesses. They had it on tape. Greg Lewis, former player. That's why he got – look at co- the coaches that get involved. And I'm the same way. Like, when you're a player, in your mind, you're always a player, whether you're 80 or you're 18. doesn't matter. And so those guys get involved in it. The minute you put – and coaches should be held to a higher standard because you're not in the game. They get emotional, but you don't need to be emotional to be a coach and play or be a coach and be a part of it. And so they got emotional, He got and he got involved in it. There, the, the, there should be a higher standard for the coaches because you are in a position of authority and you are supposed to be more mature and making better decisions and being an example for your team. And if they, if you can't keep the coach under control, how can you keep the players? So Greg Lewis, the minute any, uh, opposing coach puts his hands on a, uh, the opposition out, you're done. You're done. And then you won't have these issues. Joey Porter was out there doing it years ago. Greg Lewis did it. I mean, believe me, the ejections, I'm, I'm, I'm not against what happened. A flag, I think, offsetting would have been fine. But if you're going to have, like, being a former player and being in those situations, if someone grabs me from behind in an aggressive way, I'm turning and I'm firing at you. And, like, a coach has no business doing that if you're not on my team. That's not your job. It's not your role. Take care of your players, not the other guy, not the other guys. And so that was J.C. Treader's comments. Uh, again, the uh, head of the Players Association. This is Kevin Stefanski giving it from a head coach, opposing head coach's viewpoint. As you know, there's always good and bad that goes with every uh, game. And there was a lot of good. And Baker uh, did Oops, a nice job. I got the wrong cut there, didn't I? Let's try this he one. As you know, good there's always good. Nope, I got the wrong cut again. Um, gosh, I got to find that one. Hmm. I'm sorry about this. I'm uh, this is uh, on the job training here for me. Yeah, That's I good. did watch it, Scott. Uh, you know, I talked to Ronnie. It's the oldest thing uh, in football and in sport. You know, the, the, the game officials always see the second guy, and Ronnie's got to show some poise there and not retaliate. Again, I can only uh, worry about my players and, and my team, uh, but but I do think that any contact that came from Ronnie was incidental. If you watch the tape. It's pretty obvious that he's getting collisioned uh, as he's trying to get off of their boundary. So it does not excuse him from retaliating. You can't do that. That's uh, something we all know uh, that the game officials will see the second guy, not the first guy. Yeah, so he's sticking up for his coaches, I guess. Um, But like you said, Bob, uh, you can't put your hands on an opposing player if you're a a coach. And I, I just think... Uh, the NFL has to do something. Now, they, they said they weren't going to suspend Ronnie Harrison for another game or two, but they would probably fine him. I, I have to think there's some punishment coming Greg Lewis's way. There will be. There'll be punishment for Greg Lewis, but the problem is it's unless they suspend him for a game, and even then it's not going to be suspended for the game in which it would matter. Right. So, And his impact on the game is far less as well because he's just a position coach. So it's asymmetric with that. So 
I don't know if you spend it for multiple games or how that works, but there's never a reason for that to be the case. All right, it is time to get juicy. We will let you know what has us juiced next on Morning Juice here on The Fan. From the Atlas Butler Plumbing Services Traffic Center. This report is sponsored by HeroLoan.com. Traffic remains stop and go because of an accident on U.S. 33 westbound before Pickerington Road. Your left lane is blocked there. Also, we do have some heavy and slow traffic on 670 eastbound between I-70 and Grandview. Brian Kelly with HeroLoan.com. They're locking loans in the twos and closing VA loans in as little as 14 days. Apply online today at HeroLoan.com. The Home Loan Expert, LLC, NMLS number 1326241. I'm Heather Pasco for 97.1. The Fan Traffic. Live, local, loud, very loud. This is Morning Juice. Mark the Shark, Bobby Carpenter, Bodie Wells on a Tuesday edition of Morning Juice. And what has you juiced? What's got you juiced? Sponsored by Atlas Butler Plumbing Services. Call today. Get it fixed today. Bodie, start us off. What's got me juiced? It's almost a uh, little bit of a sad juice this morning. We Hmm. just talked about this a couple segments ago, but I'd just like to pour one out for Clay Helton. The man did a lot, a lot of great things for Notre Dame football as he was just a horrible (laughs) coach for Southern Cal, and I'm just really going to miss him. Here's the USC finding the next Clay Helton. I hope he even sucks more and is absolutely continue their downward spiral. I I will uh, never forget Clay Helton refusing to double cover Will Fuller in 2015, the 49-14 beatdown in 2017, blowing a double-digit lead to allow Notre Dame to finish 12-0 in 2018. It was just a really a great run. It's The last decade has been a lot of fun. I think this is like the sixth, fifth or sixth different head coach that uh, Brian Kelly will face. Uh, fifth, fifth or sixth <laughs> different USC head coach that Brian Kelly will face in his tenure whenever we play him this year or when we play him next year. Or, I'm sorry, when we play him next month, whatever coach they've uh, decided to hire as their own term. So pour one out for Clay Helton. Thanks for all the great memories, buddy. I really appreciate it. And here's the USC finding another terrible head coach, whoever's next. Bobby Woods got you juice this morning. That's amazing, buddy. So I love the fact that you're excited for him. You were like, he was kind of like your Jim Harbaugh is what you're saying. Yes, I wish they would have kept him forever. He was, ah, I'll miss the guy. You'll miss getting those wins. You're not going to miss playing Luke Fickle, though, up there this week. I'm excited, or this month. I'm excited to see that, Bodie. But what's got me juiced today, and I didn't have time to get into this yesterday, but you know, obviously the 9-11 remembrance over the weekend and commemorating everything that happened. Um Every year, uh, just outside of Jones, like Old Town, Ar- Downtown Arlington Shark, they, they have, there's a gentleman who comes out, I believe a former veteran, at 8.46 on 9-11. At the time, the first plane hit the first tower and placed taps. The 8th grade football coach is also the 6th grade uh, social studies teacher and asked if any of his students, you know, asked him if they wanted to come down. He thought it would be a great way to you know pay homage and pay respect. And... You know, so my son was adamant of going. They had football practice. You know, later that that morning, you know, he had to get down, get up, get down there. And he asked, you know, me and my wife the night before, you know, can you give me a ride? I want to go down. So we go down there. My wife takes him down. I, you know, was doing my uh, XM show, and the, the eighth grade coach had his entire football team down there. They were all lined up and uh, paying respects while Taps was playing. And there was about seven or eight other students. Uh, with my son being one of them, and I was just, I was incredibly proud that he was that passionate about it, Shark. He yes. wanted to get down there. Something he 
really, really thought was important. And so my wife videoed it. And man, every time I watch Tabs, it's an emotional experience thinking about what that represents. So super juice for my son being that, you know, passionate about it in sixth grade, understanding how important it was. And going down, taking a little bit of time and like an inconvenience in his day of going to do that because he thought it was really important. So proud of my little dude growing up, showing some maturity and responsibility there. It's got me juiced on a Tuesday. Uh, Shark, why don't you hit us with some Sligo? When you cancel the season, you didn't think that there would be backlash? No. Why? Because you thought the ACC would follow next. What the Sam Dickens are you guys talking about, right? I love Sam Dickens, one of my favorite players ever. How about uh, Charles Dickens? And Charles, too, yeah. Uh, you, you know, I, I am juiced about what you're juiced about, Bob, because, you know, we, we keep saying never forget. And, of course, those of us who lived through it are never going to forget that. But when you're talking about eighth graders who weren't around when 9-11 happened and, uh, and, and just continuing that, that is uh, amazing. You know, I've been playing fantasy football since 1985. I've mentioned this before. Um but Marcus Allen was my first, very first pick in that very first draft. I took Chris Collinsworth in the second round, John Elway in the third. But it was all based on scoring. You know, you'd get six points for a touchdown pass or a catch or a touchdown run, three points for a field goal, one point for an extra point. Uh, it wasn't very complex. There weren't, uh, you know, a point for every 10 yards you gained or anything like that. The defense got points for scoring a defensive touchdown or a safety um, so it was a, a very simple game back then. It's gotten uh, somewhat complicated, and uh, you know, fantasy football has evolved over the last 35 years, and so has Howell's League of Champs, which we've been uh, has been going on for I don't know 10 or 12 years now. And I just want to you know give myself a little pat on the back because in week one what we did this year bob is in addition to you know everybody that makes the playoffs gets a a little bit of a uh, stipend and then the champion makes a a good amount of money but we also added 10 bucks each week for the person that gets the most points and so even if you don't make the playoffs you can still get a little bit of your money back if you win a particular week so i did win week one and I did have the most points, so I'm ten dollars richer today. And I'm very nice. good for you, Shark. That. Yes, very excited about that. I got a little bumpy last night because the guy I was playing, who actually had the second most points, had uh, Josh Jacobs playing last night, and I had like a twenty-three, twenty-four point lead going into the Monday night game. But Josh da- Jacobs scored yeah, a couple touchdowns. Yeah, I was getting a little nervous there, but uh, I-, I held on. At the end, it was a most incredible Monday night football game. We will pass along the details during our re-rack, and that's next on Morning Juice here on The Fan. From the Atlas Butler Plumbing Services Traffic Center. Good morning. This report is sponsored by Domino's. Taking a look at the area roads, we do have some slowdowns, and there is still the accident on U.S. 33 westbound before Pickerington Road blocking your left lane and causing stop-and-go delays. On I-70 eastbound between Mound Street and State Route 315, traffic is slow. Also on I-71 northbound between Greenlawn Avenue and I-70, traffic is heavy and slow this morning. Order carryout online and choose Domino's car side delivery with a two-minute guarantee. Domino's will head to your car less than two minutes after you check in and your order is ready or your next pizza is free. Online orders only. For details and restrictions, visit Domino's2MinuteGuarantee.com. I'm Heather Pasco for 97.1, The Fan Traffic. Think 
dudes, bigger opinions. This is Morning Juice. Hour number three of Morning Juice. Mark the Shark, Bobby Carpenter, and Bodie Wells. And I am in uh, just for one more hour for Brandon Beam, who will be rejoining us tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., of course. Um, I am going to be out on Thursday for jury duty, but I wanted to pass this along, Bob, because I won't be here when you guys do your week two NFL picks. In week one... Uh, let me see here. B Carp three went eight, seven, and one. Always good to make money on the spread, of course. Hey, and just a little bit, just a little, sh- just couple, a little bit. But you got to give ten percent to the to the book, so maybe you not when you win, only when you lose. No, when you win, you have to give ten percent. When you lose, you lose. You lose that money. When you win, you have to give part of your winning. That's how they make money. Bob, I thought they paid tax. Go ahead. I'm gonna have to think about this. All right. for a minute, sure. <laughs> so, so uh, Bobby goes eight, seven, and one. Beamer goes six, nine, and one. Last year when we did this, and I've I've got this somewhere in my archives. I'll look it up before uh, next week and to pass along last year's results. And of course, we had Schlegs with this last year during the football season. Bobby led from week one through week seventeen, well, through the Super Bowl, I guess. Wire to wire, sure. Wire to wire. Call that. And uh, and you may do the same thing this year. Now you guys only differed on two games, but you happened to win both of them, including last night's uh, Raiders win over the Ravens. The other one was uh, Seattle Indy. And Beamer took the Colts getting two and a half. You gave up the two and a half with the Seahawks, and you won that one as well. There was one push this week. Carolina, a five-point favorite, and they did indeed beat the Jets by five. So That's crap. That should have been a win for me. Well, it would have been a win for both of you. That's okay. I'm not not trying to hold him down. I'm just trying to stack my wins. I got you. I'm with you. All right, let's do uh, this. Keeping you informed about what's trending this morning. It's time for a little re-rack on Morning Juice. Sponsored by Billiards Plus. The best selection of pool tables and the best service in Central Ohio. Monday night football was unbelievable. The uh, Ravens jump out to a 14 to nothing lead, but to make a long story short, there were 27 points scored in the last nine and a half minutes of that game. Three touchdowns, two field goals. They went to overtime, and both teams made several mistakes in OT. Uh, the, the Raiders got down to the half-yard line, got called for a false start, sending them back to the five, and then Derek Carr threw an interception. It looked like they had the game won, and then uh, the Ravens are marching downfield when Lamar... Jackson fumbles. It's recovered by the Raiders. Raiders going to kick a field goal from the 26-yard line, but their field goal unit didn't get on the field in time, and they were penalized five yards for delay of game. So they go back to the 31. Gruden sends his team back on the field to run a play, and it was a play that was a 31-yard game-winning touchdown. Now, Bob, did you happen to flip over to ESPN2 and watch the Manning brothers? I was going to ask Shark. It was good. I I caught a lot of it when Ray Lewis was on there. And, you know, Eli was entertaining. Peyton, I thought, was really good. Um, You know, it's interesting. I had a conversation with a friend of mine about how they thought that was the future of broadcasting is just essentially two color guys with one of them being able to handle some of the play-by-play duties because people will ultimately enjoy that more and it'll provide, like, a better experience for everybody. 
Yeah, and for those two guys, and, and they're not together. They have uh, Peyton's going to be well, last night. He was in New York, but I was uh, going to say normally. they were bo- they were both in New York studios. I'm sitting there yeah. watching that. It's been. I thought Peyton was supposed to be at home. I'm like, unless that's like a Denver studio, but like I'm almost positive. Both of those guys are in the Seaport Studios there in New York. Yeah, they were, and that's that's a one-time thing only. They have built uh, Peyton a, a studio in a warehouse out in Denver, and Eli will, of course, still lives in New York, and he'll be broadcasting the Monday night games from New York. But that was, uh, I thought that was really entertaining. And uh, that led me to my uh, fan poll today at 971thefan.com. What did you think of Peyton and Eli Manning's Monday Night Football Megacast on ESPN2? Here are your choices. I loved it. I prefer Levy, Greasy, and Riddick. Didn't watch the Mannings. Or number four, didn't watch Monday Night Football. And we will uh, update the results for you at the end of the show today. We were talking about Clay Helton uh, getting fired and um, fan-sided uh, that other only fan, only fan. <laughs> other uh, fan website came out with, and this is almost comical how they come up with these, but uh, it's 10 realistic head coach candidates to replace Clay Helton. So I'll just... Uh, hold up, hold up. The yeah. term realistic, I feel like, should be in quotation <laughs> Exactly. <marks. laughs> like, yeah. What does that mean? Are they alive? Yeah. Have they coached football before? Yes. Likelihood of them taking all these guys wanting that job, not not high. Okay, so let me just ask you, Bob, uh, basically just a yes or no if each one of these 10 candidates is a, uh, you can see as a realistic choice for the Trojan job, starting off with James Franklin. Yes. Okay. I think think there would be some tacit interest with him. I'm not sure he'd want to go out there. He seems like, if you look at James Franklin, listen to him talk, he seems like a guy who would coach like the Pac-12. He seems like a USC head coach. Not sure that he wants to leave. It seems like he's got things going this year pretty good again at Penn State. Not sure what they could pay. Um, and so we'll kind of see where that goes. But I think he is probably the most viable one, uh, and that's why he's probably listed first. Matt Campbell. I don't see Matt Campbell just being – would they offer him the job? I think that they would. Possibly he takes it, and I'm not going to pretend to know Matt Campbell on like an intimate level and like in a really, uh, in a really close relationship. But just knowing some people that have been that are close with him, I just don't see him wanting to jump geography like that and go out there to the West Coast, a place where he doesn't have you know, any of those recruiting ties, connections. He seems like more of a middle American guy, and I don't know, frankly, if some of these people want to live in L.A. Bill O'Brien. I can't see them offering Bill O'Brien the job. If they do, I think he'd take it. Please, God, please, Bill <laughs> O'Brien. That's my vote right there. I, yeah. vote I think this is different. I think the interest is asymmetrical the other way, where I think Bill would be highly interested. I don't believe USC would. Could you see P.J. Fleck rowing his boat to Southern California? No, that I could see. If they were interested in him, I think he'd be interested in going out there. Uh, he's having a lot of success in Minnesota, but there's obviously some constraints with coaching the Gophers and what you could potentially be. And I could see P.J. Fleck taking that job. Again, 10 realistic head coach candidates to replace Clay Helton. This wasn't my list. This was... Uh, we got like one and uh, a half. So Alicia D'Artola actually wrote this six hours ago. Luke Fickle, we talked about him earlier. I don't think Luke is interested in moving to L.A. I don't think his wife... I think his wife is even less interested in living in L.A. 
I, I think he leaves Ohio State for two jobs, and that's no, or leaves Cincinnati for two jobs, and that's Ohio State and Notre Dame. He just got a big win over Ohio State, Mario Cristobal. I don't know what his motivations are, and and let me ask you this: Is USC a better job than Oregon? <laughs> Probably not. But, I don't think it is. But uh, you know the the thing about Southern Cal, and we've seen this through generations. My gosh, just not this generation. They're they're sitting in a hotbed of high school football talent. It would be easier to recruit at USC, you would think, is than it, at no, Oregon. Like- but. Uh, I mean, based on what's happened on the field over the last decade, yeah, it's it's not a better job today than Oregon is. Now, you would hire a guy like that to to make it a better job, I guess. But I think at Oregon, I mean, the kids love the Flash. They love the Nike and all that different stuff. And like USC, I don't think, is a very great campus. Like, I mean, yeah, it's in the middle stuff, but I think they have plenty to sell out there at Oregon. I, if Cristobal is interested, I think that they would hire him. He would be a guy they'd go after. I just don't think that he would be all that interested uh, based upon where he has their program right now. Greg Schiano. I I don't I think after everything that Greg has been through and where he's at, I think he could have success out there, but I think he realizes it and I think everybody else does that this is the best place for him to go and coach. All right, here's an interesting one. This being Rutgers. Yes. Clemson offensive coordinator Tony Elliott, who is from California. Now, I could see that. You're you're an assistant. You're going to get a massive pay bump. You're getting a chance to take over one of the blue blood brands in college football. I think he loves being there with Dabo, but he's a California guy. I could easily see him being interested in that, and I think that's someone that they would explore. Here's a guy that knows the Pac-12, Chris Peterson. I don't know if he wants to get back into coaching. Yeah. I mean, he retired for a reason. He was at Washington. He was at Boise forever. Like, he made him. He's the, well, I guess Oregon made him. He's the most recent Pac-12 coach to make it to the playoff. And, you know, and then he retired. I, I, I think if he wanted to coach, he would be coaching right now. And uh, number 10 on this list, Bob Stoops. I, I think that's the same thing with Chris Peterson. If he wanted to coach, he would be coaching right now. He was at a Blue Blood program. I don't think Bob Stoops, like, needs to live in L.A., and so because of that, it's like, hey, why wouldn't you have just stayed at Oregon? You're having a lot more a lot more success there. It's not a rebuild. Um, but I think he wants to be a, a normal human and go around and see things. All right. The 10 people I just named, realistically, what are the chances that one of those 10 gets the Southern Cal job? I would say about 7, 60, 70%. Yeah. I think there's probably two or three really viable candidates on there where the interest would be mutual from both sides. All right, week one of the NFL season provided plenty of drama, lots of upsets, lots of injuries. We'll look at some of them when we go around the NFL. You're listening to Morning Juice on the Fan. From the Atlas Butler Plumbing Services Traffic Center. Good morning. This report is sponsored by the Home Loan Experts. We do have an accident on State Route 315 southbound on the ramp to I-670 eastbound. It blocks the left lane, and that's causing some stop-and-go delays. Also watch for heavy and slow traffic on I-70 eastbound between Mound and State Route 315. I-71 has heavy and slow traffic northbound between Greenlawn Avenue and I-70. The housing market is on fire. Don't lose out on the perfect house. Get pre-approved today with our five-minute loan approval. Only available at thehomeloanexpert.com. The Home Loan Expert, LLC, NMLS number 1326241. I'm Heather Pasco for 97.1, The Fan Traffic. One of these guys voluntarily ripped off his toenail. I don't.
don't have anything else to say. You're listening to Morning Juice. Your Doppler 10 forecast calling for partly sunny skies today. Uh, we could get a shower tonight and then more rain tomorrow. But the high today is going to be 88. The high tomorrow, 79. And, of course, Morning Juice brought to you by Affinity Whole Health. And here's Bob to tell you more. Bob. Shark. Bob. <laughs> I like how you team me up right well, there. Well, I, I told you it was coming and you weren't paying attention. Well, Shark, I'm watching Jeff Saturday do a breakdown. I am too. <laughs> on Get Up. So I, I was entranced too. by that and enthralled. So I apologize. But I will tell you about my guys over at Affinity Whole Health. I've been a, a patient over there for three years. This is a busy time of the year for me. I'm running wild. I've got coaching sports, kids' games, covering stuff, traveling, calling games, all this stuff, working at working early in the morning with radio. I feel like I was losing a little bit of what I was three years ago. Go see Affinity. They will take some – they'll explain what hormone replacement therapy is. If it's right for you, you meet with the doctors, you'll have a consult, you get some blood work, it's 99 bucks, and then they will tailor a package that meets your needs – it's exactly what you are. They'll send it to your house. You don't have to go anywhere else after that. You can administer your treatment at home. So check them out at feelgreatcolumbus.com, and they will help you the way that they have helped me. All right. Thank you, sir. It is time to uh, send somebody to Roosters with a $50 gift card. We're going to play That's What He Said. And today, Bob, uh, what are we talking about with Roosters? Well, today we're talking about their bowl trips. It's Appetizer Tuesday, as yes, always. Yes, yes, of course. You know, and that's fantastic. The featured appetizer fried mushrooms are $2. But, you know, they're giving away their bowl trips. 12 bowl trips, two tickets apiece, airfare, deluxe hotel accommodations. They've already given away two, so head to roosterswings.com to All make right. sure you can register. Um, if you were listening about, oh, half an hour ago, you will know this, and you need to call Bodie at 614-821-9710 for That's What He Said. Bobby's son went to Jones Middle School over the weekend to hear what song being played. That's all I need to ask. Ooh, Again, like 614-821-9710. This, um, this is a, 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 a growing thing if you will, in the NFL, well, in, in all sports, and that's gambling, legalized gambling. We, You know, a decade ago, who would have ever thought we'd have an NFL team in Las Vegas and a, uh, an NHL team in Vegas, and I suppose in another decade we'll have an NBA team and a, and a Major League Baseball team there as well because uh, the uh, old staunchy guys decided that, you know what, if people bet on our games, that will make us more money. Uh, and it is the truth, Bob. When you're playing fantasy football, the amazing thing about fantasy football is you root for guys that you don't even like. You root for teams that you don't even like because you need to, uh, you need to win your weekly game. And, and all that does is generate eyeballs. Everybody playing fantasy football is watching those games. So it's, um, it's making money for the NFL. Well, the first week of the NFL games, generated not only touchdowns, but also a record volume of illegally placed sports bets, according to a geolocation company, Geocomply Solutions, a Canadian tech mm. company. 
said yesterday that it recorded a record number of transactions placed between Thursday night when the NFL season began through 7 p.m. on Sunday. The company reported 58.2 million geolocation transactions across 18 states in Washington, D.C., a 126% increase from the same period of the 2020 NFL season. So, uh, and, and, and this is only going to go up, obviously, once we get in-seat gambling in stadiums bob when you can when you can actually go place a bet well let's, let's say it's uh third and five uh you want to put a hundred dollars down on uh this team picking up the first down here you can do that from your seat you're, you will be able when to it's do that first and goal from the half yard line <laughs> yes you want to put a hundred dollars on the right. Raiders scoring yes and, and then you lose because <laughs> they throw an intercept throws an interception after a false start my goodness yeah that, I mean, there's the Bally's sitting at home, Shark. I'm sure you'll be able to watch the Tribe and make bets on hits and scores within innings and strikeouts and all of this stuff. I and mean, we're just going to be a fully integrated gambling society. Isn't that the American dream? I guess it is. It's not my dream. I, I couldn't do it. I, uh, I just, uh, I don't have enough money to throw away like that. Will the next pitch be a result in a foul ball? You've got let's say three to one odds and <laughs> you don't win that bet so the next pitch three to one odds will it be a foul ball and you just keep doubling your money until they finally hit a foul ball i guess i i don't know but i i'm sure they have I, a cap on that shark that's probably do yeah that's yeah, why they put the caps on so you can't keep doubling and eventually win i suppose um bob some really bad news out of detroit our guy jeffrey okuda Ooh, yeah. out for the season with an achilles injury and you know we you know we're talking about the number three pick in the draft uh, guys, when, yeah, I guess that was last year, right? Twenty twenty, yeah. we played on our on our nineteen yes. team. Yeah, so uh, you, you just feel so bad. And it's funny; it's not funny. It's ironic, I guess, because we. I thought you were going full Thad Mata. Yeah, Mata. Yeah, everything's is. funny. Um, but they, you know, they sit out all these starters during the preseason so they don't get injured, and then in week one you have all these. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick goes down, and Raheem Mostert, and and Jeffrey Okuda. But yeah, the whole obviously, Ra- the whole Ravens backfield. Yeah, you just can't predict these things. But uh, I feel bad for him, and I feel bad for the Lions who are bad to begin with, and they're losing one of their best defensive players. You know, and the thing is, coach head coach Dan Campbell just said he's like he was really starting to play well too, and really coming on, and you know missed a lot of last year. I believe he had like a groin or a hamstring deal. You know, missed some time. Their team wasn't great. Coming back, you're like, all right, this is going to be perfect for him. Have an opportunity to put some stuff together. Starting to play really well on a team that's young. You know, they're not making the playoffs this year, but they could build, continue to improve. And unfortunately, you know, this happens week one. You blow your Achilles, and this is a it's a rough injury to come back from. He has a lot of time, so hopefully that'll help. But this is going to be something that could be career altering. Hopefully it's not, and hopefully he's able to get back on track. But you know, by your third year, you know you've got to start doing something here. And being injured, I mean, it's it's tough, and it's it's bad luck. But I mean, it's it it's all part of the game. Um, Achilles injury, Bob, is that a a a twelve month injury, twelve month rehab? It's probably the worst injury you can have. I mean that's that's not me speaking. It's you know physical therapists you know talking to guys like ACLs. You know they have that down structured pretty well. I mean even breaks you can do stuff but like an Achilles man. It's trying to like sew together a hole in a sweater and then hope that you can like use that sweater somehow as like a piece of rope 
and it's going to need to be like have elasticity to it and also heal and be strong. And so you have to let it heal and mobilize it. And then you slowly start to stretch it and then build strength. And everybody comes along at a different pace based upon age and biomechanics and all this different stuff. So it's tough, man. It's, I would say that that's a nine to 12 month injury. And for a guy who runs a four three, like that's essential yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, Bodie. Do we have a winner, my friend, for that's what he said? We do. Um, Lee from Groveport. Congratulations, Lee. You have won a $50 gift card from Roosters. Uh, spend that judiciously all at once. Yes. Yes. All on 25 orders <laughs> of fried mushrooms today. And uh, the question was, Bobby's son went to Jones Middle School over the weekend to hear what song being played. It was Taps on a bugle, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, a trumpet. Yeah, a bugle, trumpet. Yes. Yeah. It was that, and it's amazing listening to that and just in dead silence. Eight forty-six on September eleventh mm. every year, and so uh, you know it was on a Saturday this year, so some of the kids got to go over and take a look at it and watch it. And it was uh, it was pretty awesome, man. Watching him go down there and you know want to be a part of something like that and learn about it. So uh, very very proud of my son. In addition to co-hosting Bishop and Laurinaitis here on The Fan, Bo Bishop also co-hosts Browns Daily in Cleveland. We're going to pick his brain next. It's Bo Knows Browns on Morning Juice here on The Fan. From the Atlas Butler Plumbing Services Traffic Center. Good morning. This check of traffic is sponsored by Discover. Now, we do have an accident on the ramp from U.S. 33 eastbound to Gender Road. Plan for some slowdowns there. Also, there was an accident on West Broad Street eastbound at North Murray Hill Road. And still, State Route 315 southbound, the ramp to I-670 eastbound. We do have an accident there blocking the left lane. Traffic is stop and go. Discover matches all of the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. I'm Heather Pasco for 97.1, the fan traffic. Bo knows bourbon. Bo knows fashion. Bo knows horseback riding. But most importantly, Bo knows Browns. Yes, he does. Shark and Carp on Morning Juice. We're here every weekday from 6 to 9, followed by Bishop and Laurinaitis from 9 to noon. But Bo Bishop, he wears many hats. And he is also (laughs) co-host of Browns Daily in Cleveland with Nathan Segura. And uh, Bo joins us now on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Uh, Bob and I were talking about the Ronnie Harrison ejection. And yeah, yeah, the, the shove obviously was out of line. But since when is a... Uh, a coach allowed to put his hands on a player that has a lot of people scratching their heads and i'm guessing you included bo yeah look ronnie can't do that he's got to have more discipline kevin stefanski talked about that yesterday and his availability you know and and the beautiful thing about stefanski is he's not going to get into it beyond that he's gonna say i handle my guys and and we got to have better discipline the reality is though of course you can't have a coach putting a hand on a player actually and i i love tony i think tony does a great job i think he kind of misrepresented it on the broadcast a little bit too guys in in the effect of of ronnie clearly got pushed was losing his balance i don't i don't know that there was anything didn't appear to be anything malicious in terms of stepping on the other player um and and clearly he was not he's not the one who instigated the pushing so um and i saw jc treader the the Brown Center and also the Players Association president comment on that yesterday. Um, it's a tough spot, and it's it's one of several things that happened to them Sunday that wasn't good. You lose a starting safety five plays into the game, that's never going to be a win, especially against a team like Kansas City. Absolutely, and that, I think that was something that obviously impacted the game, but 
You know, I don't love the Browns still had a massive lead, but watching that game, you know, obviously I don't think the injury to Jedrick Wills can be understated enough, or can be overstated enough, rather, sure. but you know, based upon kind of what you saw, what were your general thoughts and feelings? Did that thing go about as you would have expected? Was there any surprises that you saw, anything unexpected that you witnessed that, you know what, kind of surprised you? You know, Bud, I think the Browns are in a tricky – this is a tricky week for them uh, because I think they had a lot in that game. I think it would have meant more for them to win than it would have meant for Kansas City to lose. Does that make sense? Uh, if Kansas City loses the game, they rebound, they play Baltimore this week, away they go, they know who they are. I, I think for the Browns, it was it was important to exercise some demons and to get out to the start that they did and get up 22-10 to 10 and really have a, a dang near flawless first half of football. Probably as good a first half of football as the Cleveland Browns have played since the late 80s. Um, but left some opportunity. I mean, they got it to the 36-yard line. They had timeouts right before half and weren't able to get points. I think we forget about that because it was a fun trick play that got them all the way down to the 11, and you think, boy, there was, a, there was an opportunity lost there. And, and I think the big takeaway that I have with it is when you play Kansas City, your margin for error is nothing. It's razor thin. And, and you have to, to take advantage of every single thing that they give you. Um, you play a near-perfect half of football. You turn the ball over three times. Um, you're not great on third down. And yet the game is there for you to be one and the ball's in the hand of your quarterback and you got to drive down and try and score and they had an opportunity. It confirmed to me what I've thought all training camp, and that is that the Cleveland Browns can win the Super Bowl. They're good enough to do that. Um, they're going to have to go through Kansas City in Kansas City most likely in order to do that. Um, and, and I think this week is a big one in terms of bouncing back and have that intensity. Um, I think they will. I think playing at home will help. Bob brought his name up, so I'll mention it. Jedrick Wills, uh, when he went down on Sunday, my heart dropped. I probably yeah. lost like three days of my life on that. <laughs> but what, what do we know about his injury? Yeah, they're going to be real coy with it. Uh, we know it's an ankle. Uh, I think Stefanski said yesterday, you know, it's something they'll monitor. Um, Jed was tweeting during the game that, you know, get back as soon as he can. He's critical. I mean, he's critical. He's first-round pick a year ago. Uh, they're lucky in that, though, uh, they have contingency upon contingency and that this roster is really deep. Chris Hubbard is not Jedrick Wills, but he's a capable NFL starter, and if he has to play for extended weeks, uh, he can. Uh, behind him, they have the Hudson kid out of Cincinnati, who they like a lot, who basically got a one-man offensive line camp from Bill Callahan uh, all summer because he was the only guy able to work with Callahan in the rookie class. So um, they have some options. It's not ideal um and you're hopeful that jedrick wills gets back as soon as possible uh, they're lucky though. i mean it's houston this week so if if they need to give jedrick an extra week hubbard is more than capable of 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 hanging in there and, and getting the start at left left tackle uh for this week well as long as chris jones doesn't get picked up by houston i mean that how about well, him at dn bob yeah that's my point they they, identi- they identified that right away who's the worst guy on the offensive line like you say yeah. he's not bad but we're right. going to put one of the best pass rushers on him, and that's—I think—that's probably Bo what ch- what impacted Baker more in the second half. And you're looking at the interception at the end of the game, and some of the passes he threw. I'm like, he's getting pressure off his blind side, which he didn't really have early on in the game. Yeah. Uh, so that obviously impacted him. I, I want to go back to before halftime because I think this was the real missed opportunity. Yeah. Because if if you get a field goal there, I mean, you're in field goal range. You know, you get a penalty, and then you get a sack. You know, did, did Stefanski talk about the disappointment and the lack of execution after Baker throws 
you know, what Romo Nance talked about, you know, maybe one of the best throws of his career to Njoku in the seam after stepping up. I mean, it, was a, it was a bullet right where it needed to be, and then you're just n- unable to take advantage of it and get points before half. Yeah, I mean, it's critical, right? Because, uh, you know, look, last week when I was talking about the Browns, I said, look, any time defensively you hold Kansas City something other than a touchdown, it's a win. And they did that on four occasions. I think Kansas City punted twice, uh, and they kicked two field goals. That's winning. That's winning football against them. Um, so you have to take advantage of everything they give you. And, and I just think the other thing that happened right before half, uh, it's the lost opportunity. But it, it would have been such an incredible, emphatic way to finish a near-perfect half of football. They got whatever they wanted offensively against Kansas City in the first half. Whatever they wanted. They could run it. They could pass it. Baker was an incredible rhythm. He really played a great game, um, really, from from start to finish, um, and went toe-to-toe with Mahomes. I, I think... I think it, it is that missed opportunity, and it's kind of the lesson, and this is the thing that you have to come to kind of grips with if you're a team in the AFC that isn't Kansas City, is that you can be a Super Bowl contender, but you're going to have to deal with them. And you're going to have to deal with them at their place more likely than not in January. And so that's why I think this was a big one for the Browns. And I think they had a lot in it. I think they played that way. Um, and, and I think it, I think there was the missed opportunity right before half that was pretty critical. And then, I mean, you can't have a punter, you know, trying to run the ball mm. when he drops a, a clean punt. I mean, that can't happen. That just can't happen. Uh, and Nick Chubb doesn't fumble and Nick Chubb fumbled. So. Everything that happened, there were three or four things that happened in the game. You add that to the Baker interception at the end of the game where he's trying to throw it away but loses the velocity on it because he gets grabbed by the foot right as he's throwing it. Those four things all went opposite Browns, and you lose by four at their place. So it's up. there's a lot to be excited about, but they had a lot in that game. And and by the way, Bo, we're talking to Bo Bishop on the uh, Brian Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. You, you talk about that three-headed Chiefs offensive monster. Mahomes, probably the best quarterback in the league. Kelsey's the best tight end in the league. Uh, Tyreek Hill has to be, I don't know, top three, top five receiver. And it still amazes me that the Buccaneers kept Kansas City out of the end zone in the Super Bowl. How did that happen? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously they just wreaked havoc on the offensive line. I think you bring it back to Cleveland. That's what Cleveland's defensive line can do, too. Pop pop quiz for you guys. How many pressures do you think Miles Garrett had yesterday, if you haven't looked? If you haven't looked, how many do you think he had on Sunday? Uh, six. Yeah, I haven't looked either. I would say I would say four. I feel like they had pretty even distribution. He had nine. Really? Wow. Yeah. They actually had more pressure on Mahomes. I think it was the fifth most pressure on a quarterback in the league. So what the what does that tell you? Well, that he's Michael Jordan. He can throw from any angle yeah. with any base, drifting as far back as he wants to. There, there were times. There was a time when Tack McKinley hit him right in the face, right up the middle. Mahomes basically is is his feet are in a position like you're shooting a free throw, and he shows he throws the ball from an arm angle. He throws a football like a baseball. So, so what are you going to do? Like they created the pressure, and I do think, guys, if you go bring that back to the second half and the success, some of the success the Chiefs had in the second half. Uh, I, I think the two Maliks up front got winded. I, I talked to you guys last week about Malik McDowell tackle for loss first play wreaked havoc in the middle but i think those guys got winded in the heat and i think it caused them to lose a little bit of their juice as it was going uh forward in the end of the game all of that being said mahomes on a 75 yard throw well it's not 75 in the air but 75 yard touchdown to tyree kill he's drifting right throws back left across the body under throws it john johnson's in perfect oh, coverage yeah. tyree kill sees it stops catches it and goes and scores 
Like, that's the deal with Kansas City. You can do everything right and still lose. Yeah, so now the Browns have Houston this week uh, in Cleveland. Haven't seen the point spread yet, but uh, it's got to be well in the... Yeah, I was going to say, it's got to be double digits. Um, You cover this team. Do you go in, uh, do the players go in with... With positives from a close week one loss, or just kind of so. you know, there's there's nothing good about losing. No, that's I think I think that what they've tried to do is set an expectation of they expect to win, and I think they coached and came out in Kansas City on Sunday with the ex. They they were so aggressive, uh, and that's part of Stefanski's nature too, guys. But they were so aggressive. They had a, that's what I mean. They had a lot in it to win it. Um, so I think that the, it, it's a big setback that they didn't. Uh, I think playing at home will really help. I think playing Houston will really help because I think Houston's terrible. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that'll really help. Um, and and I, this is the first time they're going to full house up there in, since 2019. So this is a fan base that didn't get to see 12 wins a year ago. Um, so they will be at full throat. And, and I think you'll get a great performance out of them. Um, but it's pretty critical. One other thing, it was it was surprising that Odell Beckham didn't play to me on Sunday. That was surprising to me. And if you think about the late in the fourth quarter, uh, Anthony Schwartz, who is a flat burner, guys, uh, he goes up and, and, and tries to make a play on a ball and doesn't come up with it. Does Odell catch that? You know, what, what yeah. could he have yeah. given to that game? Uh, that, that, and Baker was 21 at 28, so it's not like he had had much, but that's one more threat out there that they didn't have. And I kind of had a feeling that, th- that there was the expectation that he would play. Hmm. All right, buddy. Have a great show today. Great shows today, and uh, we'll do this again next Tuesday. Always fun, gentlemen. Take care. That is Bo Bishop on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. We're going to wrap things up on a Tuesday with a look at the Daily Fan Poll. You're listening to Morning Juice on The Fan. From the Atlas Butler Plumbing Services Traffic Center. This report is sponsored by Insperity. We do have some slowdowns on I-670 westbound between I-71 and 3rd Street. Also, there is an accident on State Route 315 southbound's ramp to I-670 eastbound. Plan for some slowdowns connecting there. Providing scalable HR services, employee benefits, payroll, and HR technology for 30-plus years. Insperity's mission is to help businesses succeed so communities prosper. Insperity HR, that makes a difference. Visit Insperity.com. I'm Heather Pasco for 97.1, the fan traffic. Wake up and smell the smelling salts. This is Morning Juice. Today's fan poll at 971thefan.com. What did you think of Peyton and Eli Manning's Monday Night Football Megacast on ESPN2? We have 217 votes in already. 50%, and even 50% said they loved it. Uh, 23% said they didn't watch the Mannings. They watched the game but didn't watch the Mannings Megacast. 5% said they prefer Steve Levy and Lewis Riddick and Brian Greasy, and that leaves 22% uh, said they didn't watch Monday Night Football, which is actually a pretty low number when you think about it. 78% of our listening audience, or at least the ones that voted on this poll, were watching Monday Night Football. I And, and I like Steve Levy a lot. I love Lewis Riddick. Uh, of course, he's a former Cleveland Brown. Of course, I love him. But uh, I did... I was uh, highly entertained by the Manning brothers. And, of course, you know, Peyton has all that personality. Eli, you don't think of with Peyton's personality, but 
Eli is sneaky funny. I mean, he's he's a, a pretty humorous guy, and I oh. I, I think this is just going to be a, a really exciting season. Oh, it's it, if they keep this up all year, it'll be fantastic. The way they talk about the game, they give you the insight. They talk about their own experiences. They're telling stories. You know, there's just so much that goes into it, man. It's it's highly entertaining. And so I, I was clicking back and forth. I enjoy Lewis Reddick and, you know, Brian Greasy. I think they do a pretty good job. You know, so I'm not ready to, like, fully abort that yet. Yeah. Uh, Shark, I did find something on Twitter, though. Uh you a Frank Caliendo fan? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so, you know, he does, like, an unbelievable Gruden impersonation. Yes. I texted Bodie. I don't know if he'll be able to find it in time. It's on my Twitter. I just retweeted it. He's got it's it. Like, He's got it's it. like 27 seconds. Have you heard this yet, Shark? No, let me hear it. Oh, it's great. This is Frank Caliendo last night after the after the game is John Gruden. I'll tell you what, Matt. This team gave 125%. Not just 110%. 125% with the extra quarter. Derek Carr, field general. And I love the new hair, man. That's some good-looking stuff right there. You can join me and Mark at the Barber anytime. Max Crosby, dominating the opposing line. Darren Waller, unbelievable, man. I feel like we had to win this game twice. Oh, my gosh. He is That's so right, funny. And, and Game one of the season. Rory 2-0, man. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Matt Godwood, if you're with me. Oh, it's so good. And, and you know, Caliendo, when he gets into character, he looks like Gruden. Well, that's the best part, the, yeah. man, the mannerisms like of how he contorts his face. Yeah. Game one of the season, we're already 2-0, and baby. Knock on wood, if you're with me. Derek Carr, love the new hairdo, good-looking stuff. Join me and Mark at the Barber anytime. Like, it was just so well done. He's like, underneath, he's like, I threw this together pretty quickly, so don't judge. I'm like... Dude, this is awesome. Like, I'd watch this. I watched it like five times during the break, real quick. I'm like, man, I got to get this out here so everybody can hear it before we get off. That is so funny. Uh, Bieber is back tomorrow with Bobby, 6 a.m., and I will be back producing. Uh, stick around now because Bo and James up next, 9 to noon on Bishop and Laurenitis. This is Morning Juice on the Fan. From the Atlas Butler Plumbing Services Traffic Center. This check of traffic is sponsored by Rumkey Waste and Recycling. I'm watching some slowdowns on I-670 westbound between I-71 and 3rd Street. Also, an accident on the ramp from State Route 315 southbound to I-670 eastbound. That's causing some delays. Rumkey is hiring CDL drivers age 19 and up. Drivers can earn $1,000 to $1,300 a week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in their first year. Drivers are home daily and receive great benefits and $10,000 in bonuses. Apply now at RumkeyCareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. I'm Heather Pasco for 97.1, The Fan Traffic. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 